I'm a mama. I'm Ryan, and I'm not a mama. I, uh, to a baby, I would say, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> I would say, you know what else I would say? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll be back. You Wait. You'd say bye, and then you'd say you'd come back. That's good. I'll, don't cry. I'll be back. I would say, isn't it fun? You would ask get... about what tears are first, I yes. think. What are t- Why are you crying? Why is your uh, face wet? It's not yes. a tumor. I think this is cool that I do this at the beginning of every show, these little impressions. I think it's cool. I think, I think it's, it's great. Oh, it's great. And mm. this is Mama Needs a Movie. Today's great because we don't have to... T- spend forever talking about what is this movie everyone's seen no this everyone movie, knows what's great movie is. and which i feel like we haven't done since maybe like when we did you've got mail very early show mm-hmm. like that's one where everyone's seen that you if you've been on a plane you've seen you've got mail mm-hmm. and, uh, and, yeah. and today you've everyone's seen this movie it's going to be i think you know that don't 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 yeah, makes our job of uh, usually very inept uh, synopses uh, yeah. a lot easier. Oh yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna we we could ta- say what this movie is about because uh, the movie itself says what it's about numerous times. It's like, hey, remember the other movie? We're explaining what <laughs> yes, happened. Yeah, in that movie. yeah, a lot of a lot of exposition up top. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today, our guest uh, is uh, our guest is somebody who like. We've been kind of like this person is is just someone we want to talk to and like you you want to save almost for like a great occasion and I said hey why is there's no time like the present you know to 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 talk to a great guest uh, our guest today is a writer uh, who you uh, you know his work from television he's written on things like Billy in the Street uh, Billy on the Street he's written on things like Billy on the Street <laughs> <laughs> difficult people he wrote for Triumphs. Election special. This man has written words for Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Mm-hmm. If that yep. should make you excited. But the part of his career that I think is really interesting is that he's most TV writers are pretty functionally illiterate. Like they know how to write for one show and that's it. He has this whole other side of his career where he writes uh, uh, interviews, prose, profiles. He can he writes for magazines, New York Magazine, The Believer, Playboy. He's written for Playboy people. Uh, he wrote so th- the words. <laughs> They're written for the articles? Yeah. Most writers, if you put a gun to their head, they could not write these kinds of pieces. This man does it for a living. This man can do it for a job. That's that's who I'm talking about today. Our guest, Alex Cordellis. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you for the lovely, lovely intro. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Anne, for having me on the podcast. I like how you went uh, full Wallace Shawn at the end there. <laughs> Inconceivably talented. Inconceivably. Um, uh, two things I forgot to mention in, in your intro, but this is this is so that I could ask a larger uh, a question about it. Is that one is that you uh, you have a um, a band? You're a musician yourself, <laughs> Ryan. Yes, you forgot to true. introduce him with that other thing too. With a, with with a, with, a, with us, uh, you, you are your band is the Cinnamon Boys, which is they cover the music of Neil Young. This, right? this is true. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And also your greatest role, which that of father. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Wait, that I'm, that I'm a father, you said? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right? yes. Right, that's a special intro for any parent guest. <laughs> well, oh. par- parents, yeah. get the, parents, parents get the greatest role uh, intro. Uh, the, oh, I was yeah. curious what you were going to say, my greatest role. I was like, what if I act? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no. Oh, no. No, being uh, a parent. Yes, I'm the parent to a, a three-year-old uh, son, a boy. George is his name. Boy George. You know boy, George. boy George. A boy, okay. a boy named George. Boy George. Yes. Yeah, George but, is a great name. 
Great name. Yeah, it's, it's, he's very Greek. It's George Scordellis. Um, couldn't uh-huh. get a Greek. George Constantine Scordellis. Oh my oh, God, wow. Constantine. Constantine. Dropping Bold. that in there, making yeah. him as Greek as possible. Uh, how how Greek is your family? Is this a, are they <laughs> a, 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 um, extremely Greek? One hundred percent. I am one hundred percent Greek. Both sides. Greek. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, but like been in the United States for like four generations. All in San Francisco. Came from oh, Greece, okay. went to San Francisco. So I broke tradition by coming down here to LA. Um, slightly, yeah. slightly farther away, but basically it's, the same place. Same place. But did um, you, do you speak, is there any language still left uh, in there? My parents do. I don't so much. I, I've like done Duolingo to try to learn phrases uh-huh. here and there. And I, I can understand it a little bit, but I'm not that hardcore about it. Yeah. It's tough. Um, yeah. But you, uh, but but the traditions. Actually, we 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 saw each other the other night, and we're, ta- we're talking a little bit about this. The the Greek Orthodox traditions and and everything. Those are those are in in your. Uh, you have those memories, those those things in your life. Yeah, but, still going yeah. strong. Yeah, no, for sure. I was raised <laughs> in that church. Like, uh, uh-huh. there's one in Pasadena that I'll uh, occasionally still go. <laughs> but yeah, it's like very much like part of like the ethnic heritage is being very Greek, being a part of that culture, eating that- a lot of lamb. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, the food. God, the food must be amazing. And then it's funny, like also claiming Greek celebrities. I don't, I'm sure like every ethnicity <laughs> does this, but like being uh-huh. proud of like who your Greek people are. Your, <laughs> your John Stamoses. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Who isn't proud of John <laughs> I <was> Stamos? <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, this is a weird uh-huh. story. One time I have a friend who was working on a project with Stamos. Mm-hmm. And my friend was like, uh, Stamos is having a party. You should come to Stamos's house. I was like, I, w- I would love to go to Stamos's house. Mm-hmm. So I go to Stamos's house. Well, I did not know he loves Disneyland. Many oh. people, he has a lot of like Disney uh, artifacts around the house. And I like, I got to talk to Stamos a little bit. And then when I went home, I called my parents and I said, hey, I met John Stamos. And mm-hmm. my dad, the first thing my dad said is, uh, what did he say when you told him you're Greek? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, I said, I didn't, I didn't mention that I'm Greek. And my dad was like, what are you doing? You meet John Stamos and you didn't tell him that you're Greek? Uh, <laughs> oh, pa. My dad was livid. Oh, it didn't come up. I didn't, I don't know. I, I, it was tongue-tied. Oh, have it's mercy. All- have mercy on you. <laughs> yeah. We're not mentioning that to Stamos. I wonder what would have happened. He probably <laughs> is there any is there some kind of fist bump or some kind of uh, yeah. handshake or something yeah. or would have a hug? Me probably like a, a hug or something, right? Maybe a hug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> showed me his secret Greek man cave. Or mm-hmm. he did get. He gave me a tour of his house, um, which was interesting. He also did this thing where I, having been a journalist and talking to celebrities for profiles there. When you're media trained, you do that thing where you say the person's name all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, anytime he would like, like, Alex, come here, like, Alex, let's go do this. And it's like, oh, it was yeah. like he, he seemed very like media trained, even though I wasn't there like in a media capacity. He seemed that's like that's it. It's a very like Dale Carnegie, uh, how to win friends and influence people type move. Just like, yes, that's okay. a, Dale, a Dale Carnegie thing is like the sweetest sound in the world is the sound of your own name. Yeah. And oh. I feel like certain people use that trick of like saying your name over and over. They yeah. say, yeah, that's mm-hmm. in- that's really interesting. Yeah, it's like I learned your name, and I'm gonna mem- and for the next hour we'll be saying it a lot. Yes. Uh, wow. Whenever I do that, I just feel like s- so slimy. Just, but I 
I do do it sometimes, but when someone does it to me, I'm just like, how dare you? <laughs> what <are> you <laughs> I say at people's names quite a bit in conversation, and I realize that it sounds like I get self-conscious about it because I think it sounds like bad dialogue for me to be like, now listen, Anne, da 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 like, but... <laughs> Mm-hmm. That no one listen. Listen. <laughs> yeah. When you say listen, it's like, no, that's bad dialogue. <laughs> that's like I feel like that's a weird unwritten dialogue rule of like don't say names. Cause like the only time you say a name in dialogue is to establish who the person is. It's right. like, oh, we haven't said we haven't said this character's name yet. We need someone right. needs to say their name so we know who they are. But right. you do say people's names in real life. Like Well, when you're trying to get their attention, but did you see normal people on Hulu? The I, I've Irish, read the book. I have not seen Irish sex movie. <laughs> do, do they say the names in the book? <laughs> they do. That's what. That's the crazy thing is they do. And so I was watching the show. I watched the whole show, and it's just you know, but Irish sex movie. It's not deep. Uh, but she's constantly saying Connell, Connell to him, and I was like, "There's no way." That in the book, they're saying their names and they totally are. They're just saying each other's <laughs> names constantly, like to a degree where it's like, were you, did you need to get up to a word count or something? I, I know we're, we're talking movies and TV here, but to, uh, this isn't a complaint about the Sally Rooney books, but she, uh, no quotation marks. She doesn't use quotation no. marks. But she doesn't need them because then they're saying oh. each other's names in every single line. Get over yourself, <laughs> e. Cummings. What, what, yeah, get some quotations. Uh, for yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the plots of the characters, what happens in her book. I've read all her books. Don't, I only remember right. that she doesn't use quotation marks. Right. So like, I think that's. Finish I think that's the, the key to Sally Rooney's books is I think I read that. I think there were it was like about attractive young people in Ireland. That's all I got. That's yeah, all I got. that's the takeaway. But um, at least you read. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. You yeah, read the book. Yeah, it might be a first for this show. Uh, <laughs> yes, I don't. I don't. Oh, no. Uh, oh, I wanted to ask you about this because of Neil yes. Young. Oh, sure. Yeah. What do you think about Neil Young and Spotify? I don't think I don't think we've talked mm. with you about this yet, uh, uh, because uh, oh. you're obviously Neil Young fan. You know, probably know a great number of Neil Young songs. How to play them? How to play them? Yes. What do you think of the? What do you think <laughs> of this? Them. Yes. With the, not only do you know them, you can play them. How do you? Uh, what do you? What do you think about the withdrawal? This is now feels like old news, but but oh. like. Yeah. yeah, no, I was like, uh, I was fascinated because I don't think he did it with the intention of like making waves. But I think mm-hmm. it became a much bigger story than he expected it would. So I think he kind of leaned into it. It was like the most publicity he's probably gotten like in 30 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, it was headline news everywhere. Neil Young is because of Joe Rogan. Yes. So uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Rogan is so powerful <laughs> that he can make news about someone else doing something that he doesn't like. Ugh. I mean, I, I'm not, uh, I don't think I'm being controversial by saying I'm not a big Rogan head. Uh, and so I, <laughs> when I'm You choosing... mean our next president? <laughs> don't say anything bad about him. I did. I, I like news radio is one of my all time favorite shows, but I, uh, as a podcast host, I don't care for the Rogan. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, nice. I, so I like, if they're going, if he's going head to head with Neil Young, I'm obviously siding with Neil Young. I do think it's interesting. Like a lot of people like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Joni Mitchell. I think they all pulled their music as well in solidarity yeah. with Neil Young. But I think they've all quietly put it back on Spotify. I think it didn't. Oh, Neil, yeah. <laughs> I think Neil is like the only minutes. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neil's the only one who's still not on there. I, I applauded that move. I like the curmudgeonly, like I'm going to stick to my ideals and do this thing. And, and yeah, it was, 
it was it was fun. It was. <laughs> Do you are you aware of um, uh, Pono? The uh... I, of the Toblerone shaped music player. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> which I'm, I'm sort of interested in, and I might buy a Pono if they become commercially available because I'm I, I want some lossless music. I want some high quality uh, uh, recording. Is it an object that you play? It's like a it's player. Yeah, probably it's, like ten uh, years ago, he released a music player called the Pono, the Pono, the Pono, and he it's it's shaped like a Toblerone, yellow like a Toblerone, uh-huh. and it's supposed to be like the highest quality audio that you can listen to music on. Um, it quickly cracked. Like it did not go anywhere. I've I've looked recently. I forget somebody was joking like, "Oh, you should get one." I was like, "Yeah, I should." And uh-huh. I like, looked on eBay, and they were like six hundred, seven hundred dollars. Like I think that oh, there, because there just weren't that many of them. There weren't that many, and I think to Ryan's point, like Ryan's like, "Oh, I won't." I think a lot of people <laughs> ten years later, are like, oh, "That'd be kind of cool to have one of those." <laughs> yeah. Well, I want something that can play like a, I want something that's like a decent receiver of of streaming music. I don't know what that's. I guess the title just, a, just get a Walkman. Yeah, I probably put record yes. it onto a tape. That could be more of a thing now because of Stranger Things and like you play the right music and the devil doesn't get you. Is like, well, I kind of want a Walkman. Now. <laughs> is that what happens on Stranger Things? Yeah. Uh, Neil Young is, is very anti Donald Trump, but when the Pono Pono was launching. Mm-hmm. He needed investors, <gasps> so he courted Trump. There's a lot of photos of him and Trump Whoa. together in like 2010. He wanted Trump to be one of the main investors. Uh, so I think sad. Trump. So they were like palling around for like a day or two. Trump backed out. There are a lot of photos of the two of them. And then uh, Neil Young around that time played a show at Carnegie Hall. I had a friend who was at the show sitting in the back. And my friend was is like taking photos, and you can see Trump's hair like in the front row. Oh no! <laughs> Yuck! So, but also just the idea of Trump like at a concert like mm-hmm. is so funny to me. Like, is he? <laughs> I can't imagine him paying attention to someone else for that amount of time. Exactly, I can't imagine him paying attention to someone else, and I don't think he does because like Neil yeah. Young, the message of the music is very like hippie ideals. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you took in like two hours of like environmentalist hippie music that clearly yeah. did not connect with him in any way. Yeah. And he's there like he wearing the dumb suit, the red, he probably asleep. <laughs> it's just but you, you can spot that hair like from the back of Carnegie Hall. You're not going to miss, like, oh, that's, that's Trump's head. Yeah, you don't even yeah. need that. Large, <laughs> covered in something. Yes. Yeah. I'd like to, the idea of Trump enjoying music because this rumor persists that he, that he really likes Elton John and that. Like when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, he they played uh, Tiny Dancer on the tarmac of some flight, where, like where he, like the famous video of him coming out and they, the Tiny Dancer in the background, and then they tell him Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, and he goes, "Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Wow, very special lady or something." And they say the rumors like they played that so that he would get emotional, like he has a like as like a method actor, he has a thing that, that it's a thing that can actually tenderize him. That his, is his insane. You mean yeah. they plan like his people plan that? Oh yeah, yeah, that, like he because that he because he is he is on record for like liking some some Elton John songs. As, Wait, so his yeah. like staff will play it for him to elicit emotion? 
Mm-hmm. That's, that's something. Like, I, that's something I heard about. That's that like moment. Get, yeah. putting peanut butter on a dog's mouth to make it look like it's talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was gonna say that's like to me. It reminds me of like what's the Oliver Sacks book where they like play music for people who have dementia, oh, yeah, and then awakening. they like they wake up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awakening! Oh, when they wake up, yeah, he's like, I give them the right cocktail of drugs, and then I play Tiny Dancer, and then yeah, it's like, it's like becomes thing. alert. Like yeah, yeah those are like sixty minutes has done those stories, and it's on YouTube where like somebody with dementia will be sort of like hunched over and like vegetable mode. Then they yeah. put on like Sinatra, and then they, like they wake up and sort of like look around, and suddenly can talk again for a moment. And then when the song is over, they like power back down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's Trump and Tiny Dancer. I also know I wrote this um, article earlier this year about the November Rain Guns and Roses video. A great article. Check that out. I, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. No, no, I'm not trying to plug my own stuff, <laughs> but okay. I learned in. <laughs> I, I left it out of the article, but there's this famous thing that when Trump was in the White House, he would constantly make people watch the November Rain video. Uh, oh, and wow. he was like, would always be like, this is the greatest video ever made. And like would, would always was constantly showing that video to his staff, to anybody who was like in the Oval Office. Just, he's like a massive fan of the video. Mm-hmm. Just a weird thing to be in the White House. Like, you guys got to circle around the, my laptop and... <laughs> Right. Watch a nine-minute yeah. music video. <laughs> it's that more, sounds more like yeah. a like a bad date. Yeah. I, I did have a guy once show me the uh, uh, what's that the the rains down in Africa song, the Toto song. Oh, yeah, in Africa. And he <laughs> was like, he's like, you gotta watch this. And I was like, I know that this is not the right place for me to be. Not that there's anything wrong with the song. It's just like this is a weird move. Yeah. Well, and okay, this is a question for Hammond. I feel like that's a very guy thing and something I try to be conscious of not around guys and around women of like, do I think of, oh, you got to see this thing that right, I love. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> sit sit down gotta, and watch this you, thing. Sit, yeah. sit down and watch. I don't want to engage with you on a human level. I just want to show you this thing. Like it's taken me 30 years to learn not to do that, to be like, oh, like I'll hear, like, I'll hear a song I like and to grab the nearest person. Like, let me play this song for you. <laughs> like this is the last thing somebody wants to experience. It's like, let me watch yeah. you listen to this thing. I want you to yeah. enjoy it as much as Have I it, enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> react, react, react. I know watching, I've had this experience too with people with like comedy videos or something. And they're like, here, can you watch this? And then you're sitting there being watched to see if you laugh is like I'm not, there's no way I'm gonna have a natural reaction to this. nothing worse than that Mm-mm. yeah you no don't way. want it to, I would say I would say there's a happy medium though because I'm so conscious of this now I'm so conscious of this thing of like my boyfriend made me watch blah 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 mm-hmm. and I don't I don't mm-hmm. I never want to be that kind of person or anything Mm-mm. so now I don't recommend any I, I'm I all I fucking do is talk about movies all the time all the time and no one ever sees anything I talk about I can't convince anyone to see anything because it's just I've given up on this thing i don't want to be like um yeah overbearing no, no one will it. ever do anything you ask them to do i think yeah. is yeah yeah you have to be able to share the things that you like and some to some degree just not on a super like a, an overbearing way <laughs> well just don't watch but, them i think that's the key it's like you can say hey do you want to read this article that i wrote about guns and roses it's great <laughs> but don't sit there and watch them read it <laughs> well this is like maybe two two or three weeks ago i was in san francisco and my sister and her husband live in san francisco and i stopped by their apartment i only had an hour to visit with them mm-hmm. and so like i showed up to the apartment hadn't seen them in a few months you know hugs good to see you and they're like what's new and i like i immediately brought up like oh have you seen the rehearsal nathan fielder's new show and they're like, uh-huh. no. i'm like 
sit down. We're going to watch it right now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I only had an hour to spend with oh, them. No. And I made them watch the first episode. And I was like watching them like, it's great, right? Isn't it great? Isn't it great? <laughs> and, like, then when it's over, it's like, okay, I got to take my Uber back to the hotel. Bye, okay, guys. <laughs> See you in another three months. This is a uh, good trick. I have to learn this for, next, for Christmas. Yeah. This will be a good... Uh... A <laughs> good trick to get through the holidays. Yeah, I think yeah. they enjoyed it. I couldn't. Uh, they were like, "Oh yeah, that's great." Like, yeah, we would have liked talking, but that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's, I'm uh, going to doing that. Of family life and everything. You're, uh, you're. Uh, do you have one sister? That's what's your. Uh, what was your one family? Older sister and a younger brother. Oh, Both live in Northern California, and they're right. all in San Francisco. Um. Yeah, my brother lives near. He lives in the town I grew up in, which is a town called Saratoga. It's a suburb of San Jose. Oh, so very glamorous. <laughs> sounds part fancy. of the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Sounds fancy. Um, it sounds like uh, I, I can't help but think that that art, music, uh, these kinds of things were in, in your household uh, growing up. Were, were movies a part of your household? Uh, I mean, more more so, less so than any uh, American household? It's about the same. Like, yeah, uh, you know, always renting stuff at Blockbuster. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. I think uh, I, would, I was thinking about this today. Like, um, I think Hollywood video. Do you guys, was Hollywood video a thing? Oh, yeah. 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 Change? I used so, to work there. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So I'm going to ask mm-hmm. if you guys knew it. You definitely know Hollywood video. I know the Cummerbund. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so, but also then I got to think, I was like thinking about video stores. And, like, what was your, the first video store in my town, Saratoga, was like a liquor store. You had to go to a liquor store. Oh, wow. They had oh. like the VH. So, like, before there were chain stores. Yeah. Renting videos. It's a place called Argonaut Bottle Shop. It was like, and they were like, they were in a brown VHS tapes and brown plastic cases. But wow. yeah, so we, we would watch movies. <laughs> well, what sort of like, was there a thing where I was like, like for me when I was a kid, it was like, well, first of all, we need to watch war movies. That is definitely what we need to watch because the person renting the movies was my dad. <laughs> so right. we have to watch war movies. Was there something where I was like, okay, as the first group of movies we watch, it's this. It's like, we must you know, it's a good question. My parents didn't force it on me, but like as a little kid, like five or six, I was obsessed with Martin and Lewis movies. Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, would watch them all. I and mean, I was like very into the Labor Day telethon too. I was like, as a oh, like five-year-old. Yeah. I was like, wait, so I'd, like, you and I talked about this? This is amazing. No, wait, is there a connection? I'd always be like, I was like, we got to circle around and watch the telethon, everybody. And like, oh, wow. uh, as, a, as a five-year-old, I was super into it. Um, and oh loved loved any Martin and Lewis movie, which like I've since gone back and watched them, and they're not very good. Uh, they're not. I think the Jerry Lewis movies without Dean Martin are probably a little bit better. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of one of of a Martin and Lewis movie that uh, that is notable. Uh, I don't even remember the titles now. Which is like anything that the two of them were in, I would watch. Um, <laughs> and then about three or four years ago, I, I before he died, I interviewed Jerry Lewis. No uh, way. Oh, wow. It was, I've never told this story. I'll tell the story on this podcast. It was so, <laughs> he, I was living here in LA. And before I moved here, I'd worked at the New York Post as a copy editor and headline writer. And occasionally they would ask me to write something. So I was living here and they reached out to me and they're like, um, we got to ask Jerry Lewis is doing interviews at the Beverly Hills Hotel because uh, he's publicizing. He had a movie, his first movie, like in 21 years. Oh. It was a movie called, I think, Max Rose. I remember this. Yes. I think he went on like a little mini tour, a publicity tour for this. Yeah. 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 So they're like, yeah. would you want to go to the Beverly Hills Hotel and interview Jerry Lewis? I was like, absolutely. Oh, I cannot God. wait to do this. This is, he was my hero as a kid. Um, 
That so can't I go, go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, I, I go to meet him. He's wearing this like cashmere V-neck red sweater. He has on these like velvet loafers. And on each of the velvet loafers is the like uh, drama and comedy Greek mask. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and he's got wow. like a big a big cane. I forget that he had a big cane too. And something was on the cane. He's like sitting in a chair. And so um, we're in this room that's like just off the lobby. And if you've been to the Beverly Hills Hotel near the Polo Lounge, which is a famous restaurant. Yeah. So I sit down and introduce myself. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to throw out a casual softball to get conversation going. I sort of asked him, I was like, um, I was like, hey, I bet like back in the day, and uh, used to must have some amazing nights over at the, the Polo Lounge. And he's like, stares at me. He's like, what the fuck kind of question is that? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. And I was like, I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't sure if I heard him right. I was like, excuse me? He was like, he's like, what are you fucking asking me? He's like, I had fucking dinner there. What do you think happened there? And he starts yelling at me. Oh <laughs> Out of the gate, just yelling at me, calling me a moron. I was like, I just asked if you had any nice times at the pole lounge. Eventually, I, I immediately like won him over by, I, I immediately asked, mentioned to him that like when I was 11 or 12, I went to New York for the first time with my family and I saw him on Broadway and damn Yankees. He played. Oh, the I devil. remember that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah. I pivoted and I was like, I saw you in damn Yankees when I was 12. That like made me love theater and uh, comedy. Mm-hmm. And he immediately like cooled off and was like, okay. But then the craziest thing that happened is like, so we're getting along after that. The interview's going great. Uh, I'm in the middle of asking a question and he, he fell asleep. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> in his chair just sort of like closed his eyes and sat back and at first i was like i was i was worried he died i was like (laughs) (laughs) that would change the article (laughs) i was like did jerry lewis just die while i was interviewing him and um i sort of like looked at him closely i saw that he was like still breathing and i was (laughs) (laughs) so then i just went and i got his manager and i was like i think he fell asleep and they're like yeah yeah, he'll fall asleep you just gotta like wait for him Oh no! But too much, like I, the interview wasn't. Bo- I wasn't like so boring that it like lulled him to sleep. I think yeah, he's in his he was in his nineties at that point, like oh, early nineties, yeah, yeah. Um, mid nineties maybe. And yeah, just, he felt that's the only time in my many years of interviewing people for magazine articles, the only time someone has fallen asleep. Probably the only time that will happen. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> maybe you'll yeah. fall asleep. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> You sound like you won him over comparatively because he because he's had I think around this time he had some really salty interviews. There's like I think there's some um, YouTube clips I've seen of him like really uh, giving interviewers a hard time during this time. So yeah, and he was definitely around that time. I felt bad that like I think it came out right after I did the interview. I would have called him out on it. But he one on that rant of like women aren't funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have gone over well. You calling out? <laughs> but it's not like more. my article came out, and then the other article came out. It was like when my friends go, oh, I didn't like my article was like Jerry Lewis is great. I didn't mention that he fell asleep in my profile. Yeah. It was like, um, and yeah. also, uh, Matt, I felt bad for him. That movie, Max Rose, mm-hmm. seems like some he may have had some debt to pay, and somebody sort of like rolled him in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. one of those performances. Yeah, always, we just watched a. Uh, uh king of comedy and he's so amazing in that as just oh, like yeah. but you can tell that he's like a very very prickly man like not not a warm friendly guy and right that uh yeah that sounds 
No, I'm not like defending Jerry Lewis. I think he was not a great <laughs> guy, but I do think that like having read books about him, like his level of fame with Dean Martin was so stratospheric. Yeah. yeah. And he really came back to earth. I think it's a hard transition. I think he was sort of yeah. yeah. grouchy for the rest of his life just because he was never as big of a star as he was at that peak. And I think he's a good yeah. case study of like uh, I, I and I I actually will defend Jerry Lewis that I think he's like a, he's a he's like I think a, a brilliant director. We can say whether or not whether or not his co- comic style holds up or whatever, but I think he's like very innovative in a lot of ways. And I have a kind of more French perspective on Jerry Lewis, but like uh, I think he's a good example. He's a he's a great cautionary tale about when you if you get older and you're doing interviews and you've had any kind of success, don't just it's better to not talk than to talk very bitterly like like oh, he yeah. did the in the business they don't respect you for this and that it's like at a certain point you just got to tamp that down like don't, right. you don't need to like, yes you know yeah. you're right he is a great case study in that and not i don't know like name names but i feel like a lot of people who we grew up with like as our heroes and entertainment or like you see them now getting older like ah you should sort of back off a little bit <laughs> yeah you don't need yeah. to explain like ev- like the an interview is not your platform to and i say this i've done this on on this little show before <laughs> and like and this show was not fair to me or whatever but like you mm-hmm. should it's it's that's not the platform necessarily to like gripe about your career that's better done at lunch you know <laughs> yes friend. no yeah the polo Absolutely. lounge yes <laughs> Oh man, that question! He came at me so hard out of the gate. I was like, and I was like, still getting like getting settled, like you know. I was like, oh, like, and he just leans in and really went after me. Zing, yeah. zing. Would you say that's the most? That is that was that the toughest interview, or is that, have you done a tougher interview? I mean, I wouldn't say it was the. It's hard to like say what the toughest. One time I did a big profile on Courtney Love, and that wasn't easy. That was the only time. Like, uh, I asked a question. I guess she'd like, I, I don't know, she dated Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins and his name mm-hmm. came up in the interview and her manager like butted in and was like, get the hell out of her house right now. And I got thrown wow. out. Oh, wow. Just for and, mentioning uh, that she dated someone? And I didn't even mention, I just mentioned his name. Oh. And uh, the, his name, I guess, is not allowed to be brought up and uh, was thrown out of her house. And I this was like for a cover story for uh, Paper Magazine. And I'd only gotten like half an hour of an interview. I'm like, well, that's not enough. So we had to have like multiple phone calls after. But it was, yeah, I'd never been thrown out of an interview before. (laughs) (laughs) For its complete innocuous question or I don't know. Like, but yeah, I, yeah Jerry, Jerry they Lewis probably didn't get along. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's some along. history there. <laughs> regular, you're regular Nick Broom. Hard to say, hard to say. Love a good Nick Broomfield name drop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That used to be a imp- useless impression that I used to do years ago. Nick Broomfield, Kurt and Courtney, <laughs> Buggy and I, Tupac. He at the end of that documentary, he like confronts somebody. Does he confront Courtney Love? I forget. Like at some like convention, some like ballroom thing. Yeah, he, like, she's walks. like presenting at a thing. Uh, it's, yeah. I think it's like an ACLU uh, event or something. <laughs> he jumps on stage and, and calls her out. Yeah. That seems like not the place. <laughs> Need an ending to your documentary. Always well, he thought he thought it was the place because he was like, I yeah. can't believe that tonight here at the ACLU where it's all about free speech or whatever. It was some kind of journalist dinner or something. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, that we're 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 celebrating we we're celebrating Courtney Love who has actively silenced inquiries into the death of, you know, mm-hmm. Cobain. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Broomfield. Well, 
on the topic of uh, on the topic of an early nineties <laughs> film. Yeah, while we're transition. talking early nineties. Oh Early 90s and trying to make sense of a story that kind of didn't make sense in the first movie. (laughs) Terminator 2, Judgment Day. I had a question a few weeks ago on the Mama Needs a Movie Instagram, and I said, when I say the phrase uh, Judgment Day, what do you think of? Do you think of Terminator 2, Judgment Day, the Bible, or court? And only one person (laughs) said the Bible, everyone else said (laughs) Terminator 2. Terminator 2 owns this phrase, Judgment Day. Yes, now they do. But I do think that there is a time in the time before this movie when Judgment Day was like, oh, yeah, that's some sort of thing that we learn about in church. (laughs) Yes. Right? I don't know. I didn't go to church. I don't do church. But uh, (laughs) yeah, it's a... As somebody in the Greek Orthodox faith, Judgment Day is not brought up. <laughs> that's, not, that's not one of the headlines? That's not one of the headlines? No. I feel like more the like evangelical world does do more uh, yeah. Judgment Day. Well, I grew up with more, with more Judgment Day, with yeah. more teachings about Judgment Day. That, that, the phrase Judgment Day and, and apocalyptic imagery meant, meant a lot to yeah. me when I was a kid. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, so depends on where depends on where you fall on that. Yeah, for the Greek church, it was more about Terminator. <laughs> the, Terminator. <laughs> the, the myth of the Terminator and time travel is what we I talk mean, about in Greek. He is sort of, he's kind of a golem. Like you could see him as a golem a little bit. Oh, that's that he's like a yeah. created machine that will that will you know act out the assignments and stuff. So it's he maybe is a little bit more of a Jewish character. We're getting right to it because I, I listened to the podcast and <laughs> Jesus does come up on this podcast. <laughs> he he does die for our sins in the end. He is a very yes, Jesus yeah. character. Yeah, yeah, so I think he's probably Jewish in the first place, and that he is that he realizes that how to be a dad, and then he dies. That's what this podcast makes me think of like, oh, is this character like Jesus when I watch a movie? And then like when he dies at the end, I'm like, oh yes, he is. and then I imagined then like Jesus dying, like sinking into like a vat of like molten steel, like giving the thumbs up. And then the thumbs down. up. The thumbs up. It might have happened that way. We don't know. We weren't there. Yeah. That might have been how it happened. I don't know. I don't know. That's the invention of the thumbs up. Was you know uh, who's you know who is Jesus in this movie? Uh, oh, by the way, spoilers. <laughs> Well, it's been like 35 years. You can watch the One of the, the biggest movie movies ever made. Uh, I did you, know you know, Jesus is John Connor, JC, and his mom. Oh. This is like basically Mother Mary, you know. It's like, yes. it's like but she you know. did have that sex that time. Yeah, yeah she does. She does. But also, creep, creep, cre- creepy fact. I was watching this movie and I was like, they, they're very specific about saying that she's 29 years old and she's committed to a mental institution at the beginning of this movie. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Go back. Hold on. She's 29. She has like a 13-year-old son. So in the first movie, she's 16 years old. I'm not clear. What did they say? She's 29. I wasn't I there at the end of I was, rewound. Was she committed I at 29? On, <laughs> no, he says she is 29. Oh. He says she is a 29-year-old female. I turned on the subtitles. I went back. I was like, there's no way. She's supposed to be like a child in the first movie? John Connor's age also seems very ambiguous. Like, yeah. I would guess he's 13, but he's also like riding a dirt bike on the freeway. And like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think he was supposed to be 10. That's what the 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 like breakdown of it was. But he's 10. So she was 19, which is totally different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I was a surprised by that. I was like, no, she's like 35. But she no, seems like she'd not. be 30. No, it's yeah. the ages are very unclear. There's a lot of confusing stuff at the top of the movie. 
But you selected this movie. You had a lot of ideas yes. on this movie. Yes, had a lot of passion about uh, yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I know you guys have great taste in movies. So I felt weird picking Terminator 2. Not that it's a, a bad movie, but no, it's recently, a great movie. Why not? In the past couple of weeks, I've been weirdly jotting down ideas <laughs> about Terminator <laughs> 2. Or just like, um, I've been writing down like personal anecdotes. Oh. Like, uh, it stemmed from the, the year, the time around Terminator 2. Uh-huh. And I was just, I was like writing them down. I had like four different anecdotes from my life. And I was like, Dude, is this like an essay? And I was like, no, this seems like more something I should talk about on a podcast. Right <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so many categories these days. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So what what kind of stuff? How were you triggered? By well, this okay. Film? The first thing that comes to mind is I had a college roommate named Nate, still a good friend. And Nate mm-hmm. told me the story when we were roommates in our sophomore year that still sticks with me. So he's my age. So we were probably like... 10 years old when this movie came out mm-hmm. and Nate told me uh, he's from a town called Morgan Hill in Northern California. He went to go see Terminator two with his dad at a matinee. And um, his dad is a doctor, an internist up there, smart guy. Uh, so they go to the movie together in the afternoon. Uh, they walk out of the movie and Nate's dad turns to Nate and says, uh, what'd you think about that movie? And Nate was like, it was awesome. And Nate's dad was like, I I thought so too. Thought it was really great. He's like, "Do you want to see it again?" And Nate's like, "Yeah." Nate's like, "When?" That's right now. (laughs) So they (laughs) turned around, and saw it again. (laughs) Oh my god! What a move! (laughs) And like that story, I think about that story all the time. One like a parent, and like what a cool like. It made me think of like I was probably twenty at the time I heard that story. I was like, "Oh, when I'm an adult and a parent, like that's I want to be able to still recognize." Things when they're badass, be like, yeah, that was bad. I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. But yeah. also, I've in all my years of movie going, and I love movies. I've never pulled that move of like, wow, I like that so much. I'm gonna watch it again right now. That's <laughs> interesting. Right? I don't think I've ever done it too. I have seen a movie twice in one day, but it was because I like had to see it with different people or something. But I, but oh, uh, and you had lied about how you were going to see it to both yes. of them. <laughs> yeah, but I, um, uh, I've done it. I think I've done it on dates. I won't say with who, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're but, just uh, like meet me at the theater i'll already be inside <laughs> exactly i know i know at least one i've done i won't say the movie it'll give it away but uh but uh yeah to have that enthusiasm because when you're a kid i feel like maybe as an adult you're not you're, you're not you may not have that instant rewatchability. Yeah, I mean, actually, to rewatch a movie might actually be relatively rare. Even a movie you love might be rare as an adult, let alone yeah. to watch it in the same. I, I, like, I didn't see this movie in the theaters, but I've, I've seen, I think, like around that age, and when you're 13 or whatever, like seeing movies and being so amped up by them that you would like mm-hmm. want to experience it again immediately. I remember seeing Speed in the theater and being like so That's jacked great, up walking yeah. at Speed. And I had the same feeling coming out of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it. You have one of the great Speed observations. Oh, oh yes. Uh, do you remember this? You were like, one time you said to me, uh, you said to me, what's the line that you think of from Speed? The most memorable line from Speed that Sandra Bullock says. And I thought I was like, I was, I, I like, I racked my brain about it. Do you remember what you, what your answer was when she what gets is on the bus? Anne or to me? To you. Oh, to you. Uh, uh, gum. I got gum on my seat. That gum, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. We were talking about this the other day. And this came uh, up in the book. It's like impressions you do. I feel like the line, like with me and my friends growing up, like, if you had gum, I'd go, gum, I got gum on my seat. <laughs> <laughs> 
that line is like forever burned into my brain. Yeah. And that weird line yeah. reads like gum, gum. I got gum on my seat. And she like says it randomly. I guess like I'd have to go and rewatch the movie, but like it does, I think it has something to do with like where she's sitting. She like wants she to get moves. away from Alan Ruck, yeah. who's like kind yes, of bothering yes. her. Yeah. 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 Um, it was so incredible that he's he's like one of those people who's so he's he's in such iconic movies, and we just accept that he is not famous. Well, now like he's I just feel not like we, a famous person. I don't think he was ever famous, though. I think he's at peak, peak fame right now. Yeah, is he? right. Yeah, For, from Succession, I think. Yeah, but it, but he's been <laughs> the in, he, part always, that he's playing on Succession is sort of like right. It's like yeah. the least cool you could. It's like somehow he's maintained the ability to be like like. The, the guy that you 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 wish could do a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, like, that's amazing. He's definitely like somebody who, if you went on the street and said Alan Ruck is here, people would be like, "Who?" And, and, <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? But they, and then everyone if you knows Cameron. Yeah, They'd and be everyone like, knows oh, Connor. Yeah, I hope he's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you such think a that weird like kind of fame was Ferris Bueller's Day Off in its time bigger than Succession is? Like, do you think he was more famous around Ferris Bueller? I think he's probably. I think I can't say. I don't know. I wasn't. I don't know. Paying with, attention with to pop like, culture with or like speed. Fourteen year olds or something. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably yes. a little bit more popular. But you know, I'm going to show my daughter Succession and see what she has to say. Yeah, <laughs> she might be into it. This is. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I know you have more on this movie or more. So, what, what's another association with the movie? Do you have oh. a, for, for when you remember it? Or yes, yes. Uh, 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 very apropos to this podcast, I have a very clear memory. The first time I saw this was watching it uh, rented from Hollywood Video with my mom, just me and my mom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, it's, it's such a strong memory because uh, one, it was rated R. So my mom was like, if, it, if I watched Radar, but I had to watch it with her. So she could like fast forward stuff if it was bad because uh-huh. I was only uh-huh. 10. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, man, I really don't want to watch Terminator 2 with my mom because it's a badass movie. And my mom is not going to understand the Terminator. <laughs> and so I like, but I got to see it. So I was like, I'm going to watch it with my mom. So I sit down, like watch it with my mom. And like I'm expecting her to hate it because her whole thing is, you know, she loves Jane Austen adaptations. And uh, so uh-huh. she's, like, she's such she a woman. <laughs> immediately drawn in. To ter- she was like, uh-huh. so- she loved Terminator. And not only did she love like, but by the time you get to the end, she was like choked up. Yeah. And I remember yeah. her turning to like when he's lowering, when, when uh, Sarah Connor's lowering him to destruct, uh, she's like, why does he have to die? I remember like turning Aww. to me and saying that. And I like, I'm like, mom, he's got the chip in his head. He got a room. He got to destroy the chip. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, she's like, I know the chip is in his head, but like, can't we find a way around? Oh, <laughs> she loved <laughs> and yeah, my mom's saying like I, I know I, my mom's saying I know he has the chip in his head <laughs> um, oh my god that's so fun though so you you have like it's sort of unusual for this podcast is like two parents that were invested in movies. Usually it's just one and the other. Well, yeah, that like, was my eh. friend's dad and then my mom. I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever saw Terminator 2 with my dad. Um, but also it's weird because I didn't, uh, it came out at a time where I had not seen Terminator 1. To me, like the mm-hmm. Terminator story began with Terminator 2. Yeah, me neither. I saw yeah. it when it Wait, came so out. Wait, so you just watched it with your mom. I think I was missing that part. You just watched this movie with your mom. Your dad was not involved in watching it. My dad it was not all. there. I don't know where, or my siblings. It was just me and my mom. <laughs> It was just a date. I don't know where the rest of the family was. <laughs> we were watching it together. That's uh, adorable. But yeah. So cute. Did um, you watch movies as, as a family? Or was that? 
Yeah, we'd watch movies as a family. I think like, during the summer, we would go to movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think and re- I'm trying to think of like, to me, like my movie going, uh, my love of movie going came when I was a teenager and I would go on my own. Uh-huh. I think when you have the choice to like go see movies you want to see. So oh, I, yeah. as, as much as I did like watching movies with my family, I think my, my love of movies came from watching them on my own. Yeah, when they wouldn't get fast forwarded through. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, I have a vivid memory of the first movies I saw by myself in a movie theater. Do you know? Do you remember what you saw by yourself? Or oh, by my, I mean, definitely like Speed was the first R-rated movie I saw with like with friends, and there were no parents involved. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. But there was in San Jose, like we're near where I grew up. There was a, a chain of independent uh, like art house theaters called Camera One, Two, and Three. Uh-huh. And I, I remember like going to see Train Spotting, like when I was fifteen. Nice. Like, and Train Spotting was like a a big deal. Yeah, and I think yeah. I, I probably went back to see Train Spotting like three times. Yeah. Um, just it being like, oh, this, and and like even just the previews being art house previews. Yeah, like yeah. I had never seen a preview for like a French film before. Yeah, I was like, uh-huh. oh, where am I? What is this? To me, that felt like a world opening up of like, oh, I can see movies and this. It's like your parents don't take you to camera one, two, and three. I, at least mine didn't. I wasn't going to see. <laughs> I, I didn't. We didn't go see Sex Lies and Videotape or whatever. We weren't. Um, yeah, but that yeah. would be a tough with parents. <laughs> I would not want to watch that with parents. Um, well, Ryan, do you remember like first movie you saw? Oh, I just went because as, as a relatively young kid, my mom would drop me off or started dropping me off when I was about 12. And so I, w- I saw Sister Act was the first thing I saw. And then shortly mm-hmm. after that, Sneakers, the movie Sneakers. Was oh, right, 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 right. And, and then I and then I was off to the races. I saw everything. Bob Roberts. 1990, 1992 was the year. So everything. <laughs> Bob Roberts, it, it, what yeah. every kid was watching. And then I got to the big one, which I've since connected with a lot of people on, was The Road to Wellville, which is a very oh, horny sure. movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I saw The Road to Wellville. I want to say I had this weird experience in seventh and eighth grade. I went to a small middle school and on Friday nights, everybody would go to the movies together and they would always, the cool kids would all go to the movies and I would always get invited. But mm-hmm. the reason I got invited was because they would the other cool kids would not actually watch the movie. They would go make out in the parking lot, uh-huh. and so I. But because I was there, the parents trusted me. Oh, and so, oh wow. <laughs> you were like a kid chaperone. <laughs> yeah, I was uh. kid chaperone. So I for like for two years every Friday night I would watch a movie by myself while everyone else was making out in the parking lot. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, I'm sure I saw like scam. Road to Wellville. I saw the Pelican Brief by myself. <laughs> All sorts of weird. <laughs> You're holding down the theater. Like, it's that fun. But then yeah, did they yeah. did they have to get the the what the plot of the movie was from you at the end? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Sometimes <laughs> I would sort of like tell them what happened in the movie, and then like yeah, we like a parent would come pick us all up. And I'd be like, yeah, we all really enjoyed the Pelican Brief. <laughs> like, yeah, and that part of, with Sam Shepard was really shocking. <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> I would sell them on it. And yeah. But that was, yeah. So I would see movies by myself for that reason. So um, back really to funny. back to Terminator 2. Yes. The, yes. The, 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 um, what was your reaction just seeing it this time? I mean, what was what what is uh, this is a movie that in a certain way we know we can kind of skip over a lot of the like, what is the movie about? And just kind of like, what does this movie mean now in 2020? Well, OK, this viewing was so weird to me because I've seen it so many times. And for whatever reason, on this viewing, I watched it last night. I was just so in tuned to what actors who were in only one scene were doing. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so 
That's like, like, a like the security guard that finds that the security guard is tied up in the bathroom. <laughs> yes. No. It was actually really wait, good. Let's get into okay. <laughs> wait. So okay. Yes. So that guy, the 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 guy who's at the desk. They were talking yeah. about the very end when they go to, when they yeah. go to Cyberdyne at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. There's a guy at the desk. Uh, um, Miles Dyson says Carl. Right. It's Carl. His name tag says Gibbons. Uh-huh. Um, he, I don't think he has a line. Or does he? He might have one line. I think he does. I think he said, he's like, he got his name wrong. He's just, but then, forget. So yeah. they tie him up in the bathroom. And then another security guard comes and is like, Gibbons, I told you not to leave the desk. And so I'm watching this and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, this is an amazing, like these two security guards. So I looked up Carl Gibbons, played mm-hmm. by an actor named uh, Abdul Salam El Razak. Mm-hmm. He in St. Paul, uh, Minnesota, he founded a theater called the Penumbra Theater wow. uh-huh. in the mid seventies, which was the that's where August Wilson, the playwright, premiered all his plays. So they were oh like the God. main theater for August Wilson and this guy um, Abdul Salam El Razak. Uh, yeah, that was so that was his thing was acting in that theater in St. Paul. This is like one of his few screen credits, uh-huh. and uh, he passed away in twenty nineteen. He was driving to. <laughs> From L.A. to St. Paul to be in a play and, and had a heart attack at a gas station. But it's like a while. Like, so that was my experience yeah. watching it this time. Was I was like kind of like two, <laughs> I had my laptop open. I'm watching. It's like Googling mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not always the most ideal way to watch movies for, for something like this because you you are taking some notes and stuff. I did note the yeah. other actors, though the, the two other actors I wanted to note because they were in the movie we talked about last week are Dean Norris actually appears for one scene in this movie. He was yes. in the movie mm-hmm. last week we discussed with John Milstein safe. Uh, and also Xander Berkeley from that movie is in this uh, movie. <laughs> yep. <And> this is- <laughs> Who is also Xander Berkeley? Not a good husband. <laughs> He's the foster dad. Yeah. <laughs> He's the foster right, dad yes, that gets yes, the spike yes. through the head. <laughs> yes. He's also it's in safe and in this movie both. He's just like, uh, why are you? It's like <laughs> he has the same attitude of like. You're saying some nonsense about the kid, and I'm just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> You're saying something about your diseases. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's a question for you guys is like, what genre? To me, like that scene where the T1000 kills the parents feels like a horror movie scene, but this isn't a horror movie. It's also like a time travel movie, but it's not really a time travel movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, a, it's just an action movie, I guess. But I guess it is sort of. I mean, it Terminator is kind of a horror movie because it has that that commonality with horror that it it's about a relentless being yes so i suppose it it it's not really a thriller it's kind of a i guess it's more of a horror movie than it is anything else really it is horror and and sci-fi very much this is not an original observation on any on cameron or anything but this he's so well regarded his movies are so well regarded by genre people people who love sci-fi and action and everything but this like a lot of his movies has this extra quadrant i don't like talking about movies in terms of quadrant but it has the extra quadrant of also being like a family drama much like Mm -hmm. true lies is an action movie with a marriage story Mm -hmm. also included and i think that's the key cameron fascinates me for that reason because there's i think he's an exemplary action director but also there's this there's always another level it's like okay it's titanic but it's also going to be a romance it's all it's mm-hmm. it's all it's always a a more intimate story happening underneath well and this one's action. got that got some of that avatar juice of like you know we're going to destroy each other with nuclear war and that that reappears throughout the whole movie of like we're not going to make it are we john connor is saying at the when they're they're sort of like regrouping and getting guns and stuff 
Yeah. Yes. And he says, people, I mean. (laughs) Oh, when he says the kids fighting. He says, we're not going to make it, are we? People, I mean. (laughs) Like, I don't know if that's, I mean, okay. I get it. (laughs) Well, I mentioned to you guys also that, so I was like writing, jotting these thoughts down on Terminator 2 that I was at a used bookstore in my neighborhood and I found this book. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sid, Sid, I'm, I'm holding it up for those. This is Sid uh-huh. Field's yeah. Field. Four screenplays. Yes. So, so Sid Field, the screenwriting guru, wrote a book uh, about his four favorite movies um, from 1990, most of them 91. Thumb uh-huh. on the Weeze, Silence of the Lambs, Dance with Wolves, and Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, a 50, 60 page section in this book of Sid Field writing his thoughts on Terminator 2. And to mm-hmm. Ryan's point, it's like, it's very much like structured, like perfect Sid Field this is a tightly constructed script, which I don't follow most of that stuff. But one, um, so I, I read this and I had this in mind on this viewing as well. And something that Sid Field talks about with James Cameron, he interviews him in this book. But the, James Cameron is like, uh, the story is the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz. Like there, mm-hmm. he, James Cameron mm-hmm. points to, there's a scene, it's kind of a ridiculous scene watching it now where uh, John Connor and, the Terminator are like arguing in a parking lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and John Connor's like, look, get your hands off of me. Get your hands off of me. And it's like, help, help, help. And there are these two meatheads across yeah. the parking lot mm-hmm. who walk over and try to break it up. And the Terminator like tries to shoot them with a gun. Mm-hmm. And John Connor's like, whoa, you can't just kill people. That becomes like a recurring theme. Yeah. But that, that sort of conversation kicks off the Terminator character learning how to have a human heart and like learning how to cry and all these things. So yeah, he is like James yeah. Cameron. In James, in James Cameron's words, he's retelling the Tin Man story from Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's way more than I remember a lot of uh, expository dialogue that's like, they really go out of their way to clarify through dialogue. Like, why can't you feel? Can you feel? Can you learn? Can right. you this? Can you yeah, that? that? I hurt? can do. I can do. I can't yeah. do that. I can't do this. I will do yeah. that. Blah, blah, blah. And it's it's way more of that than you would expect. I feel like now we just kind of take these rules about artificial intelligence for granted now. And Terminator 2 really had to lay a lot of it out. Like, like I, I, I will do what you command me, but I cannot self-terminate. But, I can <laughs> right. I, but he's so casual about it because he's he, because in that scene, it's like, you know, you are a fully, you are full a robot that you're like, yeah, I can't self-terminate. Can you do me a favor? He's not upset. Like, he's no. just not upset. He's no, like, no. I have to do this. This is the prime directive is take care of the kid, make sure he lives. The, in that scene, though, he, he's able to override Edward Norton saying, or John Connor, excuse me. He's able to override him Edward saying, no, funny. I won't let you. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be so yeah. serious. So serious. Um, yeah, that, that they <laughs> yes, do that. All oh, you, are you talking about the end when he's when he's Yeah, when tr- he's yeah, like, yeah. no, you won't, I won't let you do that. You can't do that. I, you know, yeah. I command you to not do that. And he's like, I, I like. He's learned enough about human speech that he's like, that's not a real command. I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't, I don't care. And how quickly he's just like, I get this. I have the chip. I'm going to go do this thing. It's like, and the thing is too, at the end of that movie, we see the T-1000 like go through all this flipping and (laughs) like stuff. And it's, it's kind of like, it's like one of these robots took it like a man and the other one just was like so 
silly about it. Yeah, the other one was a, a little extra, uh, flopping but around like extra. a ghost. But so cool. All those like, oh, I went yeah. through all my people thing. Oh, bri- brilliant. I feel nice. like the same people who worked on this in special effects were the same people who did the Michael Jackson black or white video. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just, that's just like yeah. the same technology of like, More, we're going to yeah. use this thing. The same yeah. year, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, well, okay. Well, I have so much to say about this movie, but a uh, quick tangent yeah. is that speaking of Michael Jackson, there is an alternate ending to Terminator 2, which was shot and which they screened in previews, uh, which it's on YouTube. You can watch it. So it's um, where the movie ends. There's an additional scene tacked on where it's in the future and Sarah Connor is an old woman and she's in the she's like in the playground that you see earlier on. Now, like now Earth is this like utopia. Uh-huh. And uh, uh-huh. she has this voiceover about how like people now didn't know what could have happened. Mm-hmm. And she has this line where she says, August 29th, 1997 came and went. It wasn't Judgment Day. It was just Michael Jackson's 40th birthday. <laughs> what? Oh, that's- <laughs> what? And this is in, and it's also in Sid Field. Sid Field right, has a chapter about it where he's like, there was a scene that was cut. And he talks about like why it was cut. Uh-huh. And but it's just this casual line that's tossed off. It came and went. It was just like... It was Michael Jackson's 40th birthday. That's right. Michael Jackson that's... turned 40. I've seen that. I've seen that. And it's such a strange... I mean, they did the right thing by pulling that scene out. He, Sid Field writes the reason they took it out was because that scene, uh, color-wise, is very bright. Like, the sun is out. Mm-hmm. Sarah Connor's yeah. like... Ha- and it's just like a weird bookend. You've just had this very violent, yeah. dark ending. And to quickly right. transition to a very bright outdoor scene was jarring. <laughs> like USA? Like a USA yeah, show? Like, yeah, All yeah, of a yeah, sudden? Like <laughs> Earlier we were talking about how USA shows have blue skies. Yeah. 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 Before, yeah. before, yeah. yeah. before the record, I'm so sorry. But it's also like uh, like a Steven Spielberg movie. Like a lot of those movies that end there have like all this catastrophe. And then at the very yeah. end, it's like, yes, yes, but everything's fine. Well, also, arguably, the the most horrifying. I think definitely. Actually, my favorite scene in this movie is the is her dream where she she envisions this uh, a nuclear apocalypse, basically. But only because it's the most. If seeing it as eleven years old, it was the most horrifying scene. It's still the most horrifying. Yes, scene. Yes, and of, you know what? I can yeah. tell you. For me, I knew it was coming, and I uh, left the room so I didn't have <laughs> yeah. to watch it because kids in a playground. Uh, turning into dust is not cool. I can't watch that anymore. I so. mean, the f- opening credits of the movie are like flaming children's scenes, I know, which so. I didn't watch that either. I didn't watch that either. I'm like, I know that this is in here because I do remember it and I do remember finding it really horrifying. There's another yeah. one called like the the... The day, the day before after? yesterday, the day after, the day after, yeah. <laughs> two weeks yeah. after yeah. tomorrow, whatever it's called, uh, and just being like, "Oh my god, this is so scary." Uh, Sarah holding onto the chain link fence, and, like becoming a skeleton, <laughs> like yeah. screaming, it's like, <laughs> burned uh, in my brain from like having seen this at 10, 11 years old. But yes, yeah. as a parent, seeing the children get incinerated is uh, jarring. I just, <laughs> right before I got on the call, I watched a, a DVD extra. Where James Cameron's like directing those kids. Oh my god! <laughs> All the horrifying stuff is done in post, but he's like, "Roll around!" And there's like, like, <laughs> like four year olds, oh like rolling on grass. Um, yeah, yep, but easy to do. I also you know was like laughing to myself in the opening when it's like Los Angeles. It opens on like the it's Dateline Los Angeles 2029, and it's like uh-huh. robots stepping on skulls, and it's like 
Do you think this is a Sunset Junction? <laughs> where, where in LA are we right now? That's... I think that's like square like, I thought too, when they were doing that, I was just like, this feels like a lot of skulls. Why are yes. there so many skulls? Yeah, more skulls than people exist at that point. Yes. The problem like, is too many skulls. <laughs> you know what? The traffic has gotten really bad because of all the skulls. <laughs> Yeah, what happened where there's like 40 human skulls on it? I don't know. I don't know. The whole apocalyptic element of it, because I don't think I really, I, it's been a while since I've seen this movie, and I think what it really is about is like, it's taking some of that imagery that people knew from the day after, which was huge, by the way. The day after oh, was, was? Like a huge, Yeah, that was a huge oh, TV okay. movie that was huge. Yeah. And there's another one called Testament with uh, with uh, Jane Alexander that's a movie about just a woman watching her family slowly die of radiation. But I think people knew what? this. It's a whole, it's harrowing. I just watched it the other day for, for this, but because I want, I've always wanted to see it, but um, uh, it's almost as if you took that collective anxiety that everyone has about it being raised with air raid, you know, drills and stuff. And, said what if you could become an action star and prevent that and that's uh-huh. why this movie is successful because uh-huh. it's like saying to people parents mothers like hey you could pick up a gun and prevent that like right it's a great fantasy yes, you, could, you could pick up a gun this movie definitely advocates for guns being a solution <laughs> yes that's, I've, I've had this conversation with ryan before about like in these in james cameron movies in stories that like reach mass level success a lot of times the narrative is driven by this thing of like oh there's a secret world in the future or at yeah. hogwarts or wherever where you're the most important person and you don't know it yet mm-hmm. yeah. that's the john connor story that's the harry potter story it's you know uh, Avatar has elements of that. Well, in this um, though, he does know, but he just thinks his mom's crazy. That was a scene that jumped out to me this time. He, there's a scene where John is talking to the Terminator, telling like his own history, where he's like, yeah. he's like, I don't know my dad. He's like, he just was with my mom for one night. He's, yeah. I think she still loves her. <laughs> it's such a weird scene. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then we went that to a robot. Then we went to. Is he, it's like Guatemala. And I'm like, oh, yeah. wow. oh wow! Oh, I didn't realize that Edward Furlong is actually he's he is Latino. I didn't know that either. Oh. I did not know that Edward Furlong. Yeah. Oh, I have to I have to drop one more fact on you guys about a mm-hmm. cast member that I went down a rabbit hole on. Uh huh. So I'm watching this, and the kid with the red haired mullet, who's John's oh, the friend. friend. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, I I think I, I know I recognize him. It took me a second. He's the kid from Different Strokes. He was like their friend on Different Strokes. Oh, okay. And also, I I never watched Salute Your Shorts, but I looked him up, and he's from Salute Your Shorts. Also, it was one of the main characters on that. His name, the actor's name, is Danny Cooksey. So I'm like looking him up as I'm watching, uh-huh. reading his credits, and then uh-huh. like so on Google, his IMDb, and then his, like his Instagram was right below that. I'm like, let me look at Danny Cooksey's Instagram. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> His most recent post, brace yourselves, his most recent post, he announced that he's a grandfather. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Oh, my God. I feel like I'm in a Terminator. <laughs> How old are we? <laughs> the kid with the mullet in Terminator 2 has a grandchild now. Wow. He and his daughter that. had a child. Danny, shout out to Danny. Congratulations, Danny Cooksey. Congratulations, Danny. We should <laughs> <Wow>. something. <laughs> 
That would wow. be very. That would be. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I love that really kid when when uh, when the T1000s like, have you seen this kid? And he's like, nope. And then he's like, that's a smart kid. He knows not to narc. Yeah. His well, no, that, to me, that's the thing. That my friends and I would always talk about watching this movie. So many of those kids narc so fast. There's one kid who's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, they always like pointing where he is. Like, yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's like one kid with like glasses, like black horn glasses and the T-1000. You used to see him. There's no dialogue. You see him and the guy's like, yeah, he's right there. He's <laughs> <laughs> right there. Yeah, Super easy. No, no trouble. No trouble at all. I did a whole deep dive on Edward Furlong just to see how he's doing. And apparently he's he's sober and he got new teeth. That's there's a whole cool. like spread about like how he's he's been in recovery for like four or five years. He's no longer on drugs and his teeth were completely destroyed by meth. And he, I didn't realize this whole story about him when he was, when he was like 15, his, his like piano teacher dated him who was 38 years old. Oh no. And then it was like this whole thing where like, I guess at the time that was legal and then later it wasn't. Oh, how old was he? 15. (laughs) Like, I don't know how, but anyway, Hmm. it's this whole, like Edward Furlong's life was so it it was weirdly similar to the character he played in in this movie that he was sort of like he was being taken care of by relatives and and not looked after all that well and then he kind of had this miserable drug addled life after this movie and um yeah it was such a mess that he couldn't be in terminator 3 I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying, like, I'm glad, I'm sorry to hear that he went through so many hard times. I'm glad he's in a better place. Mm -hmm. That said, I don't think he's that great in this movie. (laughs) 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 I think it's a very weird performance. It is a weird performance, yes. But I think that there are moments that are really excellent. Like when he's reassuring his mom after she tries to kill Dyson. Yes. I think when his voice squeaks and he's like, it's going to be okay, mom, it's like, Oh, there's so, like he he connected with something real in that moment. I will. Okay, this is I a so. this is an IMDb trivia fact. It may uh-huh. or may not be true, but on IMDb it says that during production his voice he went through puberty and his voice completely yes. changed, so that every scene in the movie he's dubbed in ADR except for the scene when they're in the desert. But every other scene is him dubbing his own voice. Oh wow, oh, yeah. that's tough. To Wait, be. so but if he's dubbing it pre. Afterward, they must have pitched him down or something. Yeah, I think pitched him down. Yeah. Wow. But then this is the entire. He's you, ten. Yeah. In this. No, he's not. That's not a ten-year-old. That's not. It's a. Like. In that scene when they're in the parking lot and those two like guys come over, it's, it's some weird acting. His like eyes are shifting around. He's oh, moving yeah. Kind of weird. It's like it's an uncomfortable kid in front of the camera. Um, yeah, because he had he had no experience. Like I don't even know how this. Like you put so much on this. This kid who has essentially no experience as an actor, and then yeah. and then it's it's just like a kind of a bonkers move to put it all. I mean, like it's resting on this child because if it yeah. doesn't work with him, then the movie kind of doesn't work because he's like the emotional attachment between him and the Terminator is essential. And it's like, That's <laughs> the story, right? <laughs> to, to his, I mean, to his credit, it's not a perfect performance. It's not a a, a Haley Joel Osment level of uh, performance, but like <laughs> that's, two that's years the later, measure? is Haley Joel? I think we all know that Haley Joel in Six Sense is the number one child performance. Uh, but like, the, there was a movie called Last Action Hero two years later with a with a kid, uh, probably a, a more skilled child actor named Austin 
I forget his name, Austin something or other. Oh, and yeah. That, and people didn't like that movie because I think this thing of like how refined. He wasn't so perfect, yeah. You are, yeah. yeah. It's like a yeah. less, you got to be a little rough around the edges as a kid. Yeah, because right. it's surprising when he pulls it off, when it's like, oh, he's good in this scene. It's like you want him to be good all the time. So when he's good in certain scenes, it's like, oh, hey, that's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, even though it's it's not a perfect performance, but it is memorable for that reason. I think yeah. it's, it's an unusual yeah. performance. Easy money. <laughs> Easy money. Easy yeah, money is out there so with clever, gum. Though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gum. 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 Easy money. <laughs> like how obvious it is that he's going to use that skill later to open a door is like just it's so good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course, you've got the thing. He's brought... <laughs> this the machine <laughs> for getting cash out of ATMs everywhere with him. This entire insane movie. And his machine has that like that calculator monitor and it spells uh-huh. out ATM. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. This thing's really working. Yeah. yeah. But that's also not part of John Connor's history is like, does so he doesn't have anything to do with creating Skynet, but he's also at the same time really good with tech. Good with tech. He's a weird right? character because like obviously in the beginning, he's a bad kid because he's stealing from he's ATMs. Bad. He's mm-hmm. so but bad. he also has the moral <laughs> compass to be like, don't blow that guy away. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, that is, seems to come out of nowhere, though, that he's like, yeah, I've been kind of like living with like Harley Davidson guys and practicing <laughs> like survival skills with my mom but also killing is deeply wrong yes but to, to zero in on that scene i'm sorry i'm just like I hung up on that scene with the two guys in the parking lot <laughs> <laughs> those two guys get the shit kicked out of them and they're good guys they, they came are. over to break, they they came are. To break yes. up a fight yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and then, then john connor's like cheering on like when they get beat up and it's like first yeah. he's like don't kill them but do like beat them up yeah right and they came over to help a kid Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched, uh, rewatched first Terminator too. And Terminator has this thing where Terminator is always killing people and beating people up. And you, and like in the first one, it's his punks. Bill Paxton is one of the punks in this movie. It's the biker bar. He goes in and beats up guys in the biker yeah. bar. It's like, yeah, who cares about these pieces of shit? And the Terminator is going <laughs> right. to steal their jacket or whatever. Those, yeah, those parking lot guys are stopping a child. abuse. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Also, I'm not like, I don't know, directing that well, but in terms of like, I've read stuff about spatial stuff on screen and like geography of where characters are. To me, there's a lot of moments I clocked in this movie where like those two guys in the parking lot are like, hey, when they see. Yeah. And then they, then it takes them like two minutes to walk 15 it does feet. Take a, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of dialogue yeah. happens in the middle. Yeah. They're like, let's like, just take our time getting over to this kid. Yeah. <laughs> the other scene where that happens is like uh, the famous scene in the hallway in the mall when uh, it's the T-1000 and Arnold like walking towards each other and John Connor's in the middle of them. And there's a guy with a Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> so, weird... Not product placement. Not product placement. And he has like 15 seconds to to get out of the way, but he just stands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he gets annihilated, like riddled with bullets. Yeah. Like could yeah. have easily gotten out of the way. Yeah. I wonder about that sometimes because because uh, they say people don't move. Like in uh people uh, people do act weird 
like when guns are around and stuff, sure. they run yes. in weird ways and, st- and yeah. freeze in weird ways. So maybe it's realistic. I don't know. And that uh, shot though, it goes like, it's like, it's like Arnold in slow-mo T-1000 in slow-mo, like cutting back and forth. And you kind of forget that that Pepsi guy is there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, boom, he's getting just like shot to pieces. And it's like, ah, yeah. doesn't drop that Pepsi. Holds on. Whatever happened to Pepsi guy? I want to know what's that guy did doing. You look I, didn't look at, I don't think Pepsi guy didn't make it to IMDb. No. Wait, as, as both of you being movie buffs, I don't know if either of you can answer this. This is a question I had as soon as the movie ended. Like, huge dramatic ending. It has that, like, um, this predates Lost Highway, but it has that Lost Highway shot of, like, the yeah, camera. Beautiful, um, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. Dark road. And then, yeah. and then we we hit that, the the score, the da-da-da-da-da, cut to black, then, for, then the soaring score, first credit, unit production manager Dick Peterman. <laughs> like, <laughs> how is, like, in movies, why is that the first guy? This is the biggest ending to a, a movie I've seen, and then we cut immediately to unit production manager, Dirk Peterman. Like, why isn't it somebody more important? I think that in is that important because he's the one <laughs> managing all the units. There's a lot of them. Because this does have opening credits. I think very often that first credit, if it's not the cat, if it's not the cast list, it's like whoever's below the line. Well, I guess a lot of people are below the line, but it would be the first person that's not included in the. Got it. Okay. Credit. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I was just curious. Like that. It's so dramatic. The reveal of his name. <laughs> <laughs> the real Terminator. Now it would read J- J- James Cameron, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you agree. I think that's an oh, old that's thing. I think it yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Like now it would be, yeah. Did you see that thing? I actually happened to, to see this on Instagram way before we were going to talk about this movie, but there's a shot when the helicopter is chasing them. Um, and goes over a freeway underpass, mm. overpass. Mm. Like yeah. they actually go under it. And it's a flying helicopter that's going so incredibly close to it. And it was this was like a thing where James Cameron was like, I asked them to shoot this. And and the whole crew was just like, absolutely not. That, that person's going to die. No. Yeah. <laughs> and then and they did like, it. And then he was like, fine, I'll shoot it. So he shot it. But I was like, but that's still kind of not taking into account that those people could have totally died for this. Yes. But it worked. And it does look amazing. And I love how... Just watching it after knowing that it's like they kind of tease it. Like you see the helicopter kind of look like it maybe is going to go under, mm-hmm. and then you see it in a second shot. You see another shot where it's like, oh, maybe they're going to, but maybe they're faking it. And then you see the shot of like they're actually doing this impossible move. Oh, it's incredible! The helicopter it's stuff it's is insane. It's crazy. I read this like, like James Cameron went on a run starting with this movie. His next four movies were the this starting with this one were the most expensive movies ever made. Like yes, right? True Lies or True this Lies, went into True Lies into Titanic. Turn, and, Titanic, and, Titanic and, yeah. Those this was, yeah. Um, I I, been, I I watched a thing on a, a, a Corolco Studios. Uh, yes, which uh, they were. This was in the, in a run of very expensive films. I mean, they had the mo- wait. Corolco- is that the truck company? Uh, on the no. side of the on the side of the truck, it's like something else. It looks like it looks I like that. I I had to know if it's different. I I thought I had the same thought. I was like, I, what is the significance of this? This must be something. It's the same font. The Coroco put their name, but in it's there? like it's but it's like a Cryo Co. It's because it's, oh. like, it's, it's like whatever that 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 tanker at the end. No, not the tanker. Oh. The little pickup truck. The little pickup truck that they they end up taking. I looked that up also. I was I was really uh-huh. googling. <laughs> Were you even watching this? Movie? <laughs> that, was, uh, that was like a like um, it's like a fake gardening company, and apparently yes. in the uh, um, 
in the the commentary, they ask James Cameron, like, what is the significance of that? And he's like, oh, it's just a nonsense word the art department made up. But, but like, what? you can go like on, as soon as I Google that, there's like people sell sweatshirts of that gardening company. Oh, and you know what else you can Google? Uh, T-1000's testicles. What? Because <laughs> I found it oh. immediately. Because I was watching the movie and I was like, hold on, did I just see balls? I think I just saw some balls. This and I, then I paused it. And then you know you could do like the the capture uh, the what command uh, command control four or something screen you take a picture of the screen but you can't if it's if it's a uh, HBO it'll just give you black screen mm. so I typed it in and immediately read it is like oh here's the picture blah 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 and then someone had commented right under it it's not gay if it's Terminator <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is on this what? viewing. This is a question that I wrote down, which is uh-huh. in that in that bar scene when he when Arnold walks in naked, yeah, and you see a, you a see patron some... in the bar. She like looks down, yeah, she's at like his yeah. package. <laughs> so I wrote down: Does he have genitals? Like, why does he have genitals? Why is he? <laughs> why would the, why would he have reproductive organs? He's a robot. He shouldn't right, have it. Miles Dyson really likes penises, <laughs> so he Part made them all. Yeah, maybe they all have big dicks. I don't Dyson know. Dyson is is. In the detail. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know. I was like, why? It makes no sense. I think because we can't, if he, if she didn't do that, we would be concerned. Yes. It's like, sure. we need to know that he's not smooth. So we need, yeah. Also, I doubt that he would have fit in the same outfit as the guy that he steals the leather from. They didn't really look like the same size. <laughs> oh, oh the, the, yeah. That, uh, yes. Didn't look like yeah. the same size. Also, I, I was... It, it plays bad to the bone by yeah. George Thurgood and the Destroyers, which to me, like as when I watched it this time, I was like, was this before or after Problem Child? And it was a year after Problem Child. So I feel like oh. Problem Child was a big hit movie where like yeah. the theme song was bad to the bone. Yeah. Right. Which to me is only to be used as like a comedy thing. Right. It's it would, always that, stupid. <laughs> that scene is comedic. But I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead to what we're gonna talk about later, but to me, this is like an R-rated movie for 10-year-olds. Like that was like my takeaway watching it this time. Uh-huh. Like, oh, this is a like like me <laughs> yes. and my roommate Nate, like we were 10, 11, like, oh, this is for a 10 or 11 year old. Yeah. It's an it's like it's a it's a, it's a, a starter yeah. R movie. Like I feel like that yeah. scene in particular is like, oh, this is like if you're making an R-rated movie for a 10-year-old, this is what it is. It's People get yeah. thrown around and bad and at the bone naked. plays. Ooh. This really yeah. might be the most R-rated ten-year-old movie in the world. When I think about yeah. it, like 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 F words. Okay, who cares? Uh, yeah. Some robot on robot violence. One or two real people get stabbed. Oh, but they in the do face. so many cool things. And the thing with the mercury, where they just use regular mercury, yeah. to form blobs. I was like, oh God, I remember being so fascinated by mercury when I was a kid. Oh yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's it is so yeah. fascinating. This movie that is like you just use that. Oh, really? I mean, we could talk up for 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 hours just about <laughs> effects, but truly like an effects landmark in more than one way. I and mean, it the still sense looks it, good, which is and it bonkers. Looks great. It, looks it still great. looks good, it looks and it so looks like good. almost like on purpose in a style now, instead of looking like oh, sad. You couldn't make it. You couldn't make it look good. It's like yeah. actually, it looks interesting as a as a style choice. Yeah, and the when they're in the mental hospital, or the whatever with the and the the T one thousand like blends into the checker floor. Oh, so good! And like rises yeah. out of that. Like, mm. it couldn't make it look better today. It's you know. And the guy who's getting a coffee, he's like, "Oh, I got a, 
<laughs> it must be my house. day. And it's like, don't ever say that. No. Don't yeah. ever say it must be my must day. Must be my lucky day. Oh, Played by God, real twins, ever. I think. Uh, did that? I think I think that actor is really? a twin. Yeah, because I think I've seen I something else as twins. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, IMDb. It's like uh, guard, and it's like guard as T1000 as guard. So I think it's yes, two oh. actors. Yeah, oh, a lot of a very fun. smart. A smart it's a mixture of practical things and 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 this cutting edge cg and also just the re-watching it i had not seen the movie in years and i was like cameron who you associate in one way with steel and hard angles and shiny chrome and and uh it's you know very right angled kind of director and then introducing this flowy water liquid element mm-hmm. which is in the abyss and in titanic and in avatar this is like a real visionary. I don't. I, I'm not. Again, <laughs> this is not original stuff. But the idea he likes of a, all the all the different styles of uh, things that can be things. <laughs> the idea of saying I'm going to mix the tech. Yeah. I'm going to show you metallic water. You know, or or uh, or watery metal robots. Yes. Yeah. No one. Now we it's just so take scary. it for granted. Yeah, that it exists. It's so scary. It, yeah. Well, and I think setting it up immediately to be like, oh, this is the Terminator, the scariest thing in the world. But but he's actually he's he's in the one down position is such a smart idea that it's like, oh, there's an advanced one. So now we have to worry about this one. So it makes him a little more human just from the get go. Yeah. 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 They, that, that's talked about extensively in uh, four screenplays by Sid Field. Oh, <laughs> hey, I'm a great screenwriter. You're welcome. <laughs> it's, no, so it's James Cameron talks about like yeah. the Terminator came out, then Arnold had like a string of pretty good movies after that where he was always the good guy. Yeah. And he's like, people forgot that he was the bad guy in the original Terminator. He's like, right. over time, you would like think of the Terminator, like, oh, cool guy who kills people. You forget that he's bad. Yeah. So they had this dilemma of like, oh, in the sequel, we want him, we should make him good because now in Hollywood, Arnold is as a commodity is a good guy in movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the, in the marketing materials, they held back. They're like, we're not going to show. Arnold wasn't in the trailers. There's like, a, a, I think one trailer was just like Terminators being assembled, and that's all it yeah, is. Yeah. An infamous, mm-hmm. uh, I think Stan Winston directed that trailer, a great a teaser. Yeah. And they wanted uh, that scene in the hallway in the mall to be a big surprise twist. I mean, we all know, you forget, like when you watch the movie up until that point, you think that the T1000 may be good and Arnold may be bad. Mm-hmm. Like it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a twist. And I think mm-hmm. all, it was supposed to surprise audiences at the time that that's the reveal that he's a good guy now. But I think I, it, yeah, I think it works. I mean, it's hard to put yourself in that frame of mind, but I do yeah. Now when I watch it, I can yeah. like I know he's good from the beginning, and I forget right. but, like to be I in totally, this. I, I never doubted it. I think also I like that performance. I think we like don't even think about because he he plays he's so believable as not a person. Robert Patrick and, and like the way yeah the way that he runs in that perfectly upright position is just like it's it's actually really amazing what the physical performance of that. Yeah. Before I got on the podcast, I opened my Instagram and it gave me uh, uh, an Instagram story that was an Arnold interview about Terminator 2. So it's clearly listening to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but it was, it was Wait, Arnold. Wait, Skynet? No. <laughs> yeah, the future is Terminator here. 3, that's what it is. Skynet's yeah. in the internet. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Carve yeah. no fate into my desk right now. But no, it's... Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's Arnold talking about that he was up for the role and that, uh, according to Arnold, he was up against OJ Simpson and, uh-huh. <laughs> but uh-huh. then, and, and Arnold in pitching himself for the role to James Cameron said he has to be a machine that had the way he wanted to play him was like, he would never look down at anything. Like if he's 
loading a gun, he would never look at the gun. If he's getting on a motorcycle, he would never look at the motorcycle. Yeah. And it's like you would always be like straight ahead. Your body parts would know what to do because you're a robot. Well, and you have amazing, like he has this incredible vision. So he knows exactly like he has peripheral and lower and upper. I, I, I buy that. I think that's a good pitch. And also... Very wise, James Cameron, to not cast O.J. Simpson. In hindsight, a brilliant <laughs> <Yeah>. move. <laughs> well, he knew because he's, he's seen the future, you know, so he was yeah. like, not bad. You wouldn't take him idea. seriously after Naked Gun. It would have been ruined. <laughs> the movie would be ruined now. Wait, and not to get into this, in, in uh, a previous episode of this podcast with Mike Hanford, you guys talked about impressions. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Hanford yes. immediately said, like, you guys were talking about, like, pinpoint to one. And Hanford's like, you know, not like a Schwarzenegger. He's like, everybody can do Schwarzenegger. And I was like, that's the only one I do. That's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of my Schwarzenegger. And I felt oh, so no. deflated when I heard him say that. <laughs> oh, no. No, um, not do you, at all. Do you do a, what's a, like, say, like, what's a, what's a, a notable well, so moment? I, I only do uh, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I'm on the spot. I put myself on the spot. Uh, Schwarzenegger okay. from Predator. This oh. is, um, come on, do it. I'm right here. Come on. <laughs> head head for the chopper, Billy. Come on. I'm right here. <laughs> Which, okay, and I have like a, a weird story with that is when I was in college, um, I did theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, in one of the plays I was in, one of the actors came up to me and she's like, do you want to make some extra money? And I was like, where is this going? And mm-hmm. she, so there's a, in Santa Barbara, where we went to school. There was a children's theater. And she's like, I can get you booked in parts in the children's theater. She's like, it's a gig. It pays really well. And so I got cast in this play. They would write their own material. It was a play called Matilda and the Wizard. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I played the wizard. And so I was. uh, we did like a Saturday matinee show. And the audience was all like Mm four-year-olds. And uh, I invited my roommates. And my roommates knew that I did (laughs) an Arnold. four-year-olds and roommates. So my roommates are like sitting in the back just a while like for a good so I'm like I'm like I want to do something to entertain them. So there's a scene in in Matilda and the Wizard where uh Matilda is played by a little girl and she's like looking for me the wizard and she's like where is the wizard? And I go like I'm right here. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like I'm going to do the Arnold to entertain my friends. So Matilda the actress is like where is the wizard? And I'm like I'm right here. Come on. I said <laughs> I didn't anticipate this, but every child in the theater started crying and like urinating themselves. And it was like, oh, it's no. like we'd like stop down. Because I came, I'm I'm six foot three and I have a loud voice. So I like, I popped out and I'm like, I'm right here. And then oh. <laughs> terrified this audience of children and like parents had to be like hugging their kids. And I was like, I got a very stern talking to afterwards by the theater director. Like, you cannot. Under any oh circumstances, do that. That's oh, a big tangent. But that's my 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 Arnold is. Uh, I think your Arnold is great, and it's part. I think you. it's. I think it sounds great, and it is. I think due to the fact you are a bigger guy, I think that if uh, it's it's a different sound coming out of your mouth than a than than like a five foot uh, nine guy trying to do Arnold. <laughs> you have to have a. You have to have that pitch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Arnold's, exactly. Yeah. Arnold's. A really, I mean, an interesting. But that's a whole other podcast. I, I graduated from a state school while he was governor, so my my college diploma has his signature, which is. <laughs> 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 uh, well, he didn't, he didn't well. actually sign it, but uh, yeah, my you know, state school yeah. diploma says Arnold as Arnold's name. It's very yeah. strange to have put four <laughs> years of work on something signed by the Terminator. Speaking of which, I uh, this uh, week I was looking up old Godard interviews because uh, 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 Jean-Luc Godard died. And he uh, when he received the um, 
Academy Award, the Governor's Award. He was very uh, outspoken about how I, I, what does this award mean? Uh, it means nothing to me. What does the Governor's <laughs> Award mean? Does it mean Schwarzenegger will give it to me? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, like comedy, great. not your strong suit, Godard. Yes. Yeah, Godard. <laughs> Well, I could have, I could have told you that. You? I know, but you know, uh, some of his movies are very, very funny. Yeah. No. Wait, when you guys got into Godard, where did you see those movies? Where would you go see for the first uh, time a Jean Luc Godard movie? I I just saw them at home. I didn't really. I've I've watched them and thought, could I run around wearing tights? Could I? <laughs> people find that too on the nose. Is that all right? <laughs> it's mostly the outfits, unfortunately, that I responded to. It was just like, oh, these outfits are so yeah, good. Yeah, it's a fashion show. And a lot of running, just like the amount of running. A lot of running. <laughs> yeah. I think I saw Godard movies. I think I might have seen Breath- Breathless and one other one at New Beverly, but maybe mm-hmm. for the first time when they... Mm-hmm. When, uh, oh, yeah, they, yeah they, probably. They were, they were pretty good about showing them. Just contempt. I have this memory of contempt of, of uh, where they're in... Uh, Italy or something and it's like filming a movie that's content yeah, right yeah. yeah yeah and I just remember um the uh the sound of the shoes on like cement or something but with sand in them underneath like that that's sort of like it's like a wonderful old time like 60s movies the sound recording of the of feet oh, yeah. as just, you say it I can uh, hear it in my head right sure. yeah, it's yeah. so nice it's like it's like ASMR somehow to me. I just I love like the sound of their footsteps in those movies is so good. Just mm. the sound design, the editing, it's all pretty remarkable. Yeah, um, but no Terminator. No so. Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> How good could it really be? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of famous, right? This is not about Terminator Two. This is about Terminator One. Interesting fact: you'll find this under Andrei Tarkovsky trivia. The great director Tarkovsky. Uh, for the most part, didn't like Hollywood movies, but said he held high regard for The Terminator. He thought oh. it was a very, uh, a very brilliant futurist kind of film, and it had a lot of interesting. Fo- I don't know if he lived to see Terminator Two. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So that's how you're explaining why it wasn't Terminator Two. I think he died. Otherwise, he would have said. Terminator Otherwise, he would have loved Terminator Two. He would have said it was, it's a thrill ride. I should. That would have been a good assignment to do before the podcast. Is like compile what like art house directors thought of Terminator Two. That is fascinating. I know we I should do, know. we should do that in the future. Like, because sometimes it's weird. It's like old directors having these thoughts about things where it's like, oh, I don't think you really register what. You don't know. You're not of this time. Yeah. You have a slightly different take on it. I thought there was a strange scene in this movie when um, the Terminator is kind of um, making friends with Eddie Furlong in the movie. Mm -hmm. And Sarah Connor's watching it uh, from afar. He's got a dad now. And she says (laughs) in her voiceover, she's like, this machine is more of a dad than a dad he's ever known. He'll never get drunk and hit him. And I just wonder what kind of guys was she around? <laughs> the, yeah, the Terminator. It, seems, it seems like Harley guys. I think she was going to that biker bar, hooking up with those guys, and then was like, yeah, but it's all so that I can learn survival skill. Like, I think she was just a messed up person because she had a baby when she was 15 (laughs) (laughs) but she i mean for like the the male for the group for the the sort of pool of males to be to pale in comparison to the terminator (laughs) (laughs) i know that but but the thing is that 
Here's here's what I'll say about the Terminator. The guy yeah. can commit, okay? He has one <laughs> thing he's got to do. He's like, protect the child, which is a very great quality in a man, right? <laughs> he's very protective. Yeah, he's like, that- you know that he's going to keep doing that forever. And maybe she's dated guys who were like, I don't really care. I just want to have sex with you. <laughs> I that's that speech is so weirdly written and feels so odd. I did read in the Slade Field book that Cameron co-wrote the movie with like a high school friend from Orange County. Oh, I thought you were a high school student. <laughs> <laughs> he had like a buddy from high school who his I, I forget the guy's name, William something or other. It's wow. credited in there. And his buddy had like uh gave gave himself like a crash course on screenwriting and like read a bunch of screenplays, <laughs> watched a bunch of movies, and was like, okay, I can do this. Uh-huh. And they co-wrote the movie together. I think they with that uh Karolko, there was like a lot of this movie was held up for a number of years. And I guess like he and James Cameron sort of worked on the script, but then like when they got the green light, they had like some something like six weeks to finish the script. Uh-huh. Um which seems I don't know why that is. That's insane. Um but they turned it around really quick and but it does seem to like to your earlier point, like hit on those themes really hard. Yeah. Of like, oh, he's the new dad. <laughs> he's, the what, he's the dad we've always been looking for. Yeah. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> I'm going to learn how to cry. And like all that. It's like really heavy handed in that regard. Yeah. She definitely has had some issues of being a mom. And he's had some issues being a child. Like we, I think that there's a funny thing that any movie you can look at it from a different character's perspective. And in this one, I was like, Miles Dyson's family would look at this from a very different perspective. Oh, oh that's okay. But like, are you fucking kidding me? You show up, you 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 terrify everyone. They're like, no, no, it's okay. We just got to take him to the office where he dies. Like to me, that there's something. Oh God, seeing this movie as a ten year old and today, I find the Miles Dyson. Seen in his home, equally unsettling. It's horrifying. It's funny games, home invasion. It totally <laughs> is. And then they kill him. They kill him, and he's like, he's like riddled with guilt. And then he he goes straight from being riddled with guilt to being dead. He's like, he takes yeah. on so much responsibility, and and it it's like. It's true. It, like when she's saying to him, like, you, pe- you people are responsible for such and such. I was like, this feels like a thing that might be slightly different now that he's like, actually, <laughs> you've noticed that I'm a black guy. I didn't necessarily. Yeah. All of the things you're talking about are not. These are more things. The political sort of aspect of that scene was like, oh, yeah, they're killing the only black yeah. guy in this movie. And he's responsible for everything. It's like. There's no kind of like, but you're not, sweetie. Like, you're really not. It's just your job. Yes. It's it's a strange casting move to make the only person of color that character. It's um, <laughs> Who's heroic. But... Oh, another weird race relation fact is that uh, the biker bar scene, the night they shot that, the Rodney uh-huh. King beating happened outside the bar. No. No. <laughs> According to James Cameron, that scene happened outside while they were shooting. Wow. Could be James Cameron exaggerating. That's an interview with him. He said that that what? was. But even in the same vicinity, that's the same vicinity. That's that. That was that, was that, that, was yeah, that like, night, to, like downtown. Wow. And then, in terms of like the, all the the a cabness of it all, it was a very intentional move. James Cameron said to make the villain a policeman. Yeah, because in L.A. at the time, right, as same as today, the sentiment towards policemen was. Oh yeah, that know. holds up. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the that part holds that up. holds up the best. Yeah, it's just like yeah. a, a, a you know a lady 
like unloading on this poor black no, scientist. Yeah. It was like, okay, okay. That I mean, the racial politics of it aside, that dialogue actually seemed the most contemporary. Maybe not necessarily in a good way. It seemed the most contemporary in the sense of like you. She's making the Oppenheimer comparison, sort of of like you. Yeah. Uh, you think you're creating? You don't know what it's like to have a baby. Like I really create <laughs> yes, something inside I know. you. Like, I was like, oh, that's I some made a baby. Like, okay, good for you, but that doesn't really. That does. So did he actually? So did her he. performance in this is not nuanced in oh any way. God. She's, She's like a horrible actress. <laughs> <laughs> that She's might be full. a little bit a controversial thing, but I do think that maybe yeah. I I for years I thought like yeah, Lyndall Hamilton. She's so good in this movie, and I was like. Mm. Mm. No. strong in the but, movie but i think she was the first i think this was the beginning of women should have ripped arms i think this movie coming out was like oh actually that's a thing that we want from women is to be super have like <laughs> defined arms that has carried on now through like michelle obama and her arms her arms it's like there's yeah. a, i think people realized in 1991 that like women could have really defined arms her her guns are on display they really that- are yeah. That scene in Miles Dyson's house. Also, there's a moment where like it cuts to like after all the mayhem dies down, it's uh, Arnold is like at the table with Miles Dyson and his wife, Esapatha mm-hmm. Merkinson, and like he's um, then in the voiceover, Sarah Connor's like. Uh, he told them the whole story of everything right. that happens. And you see him yeah. just like talking. And it's like, no, I, I want to see that scene. I want to yeah, see I, I, I want to see what he's saying. He's yeah, like, it is it's like calmly like telling them like the world ended. It's like it's, uh, it's, a, it's a long story. I'm I like, I, totally I, I want to hear it. Whatever yeah. he says is very effective because Miles Eisen is completely on board immediately to go sabotage his office. And like yeah. like within uh, 10 minutes, he's like, okay, I'm going. Well, because of the arm. It. He's like, oh yeah, we're building that arm and you have that arm. That seems pretty yeah that seems like a pretty good connection but just <laughs> what yeah. the fuzzy end of the lollipop this guy gets is just so bad <laughs> like yeah. he just really he's the hero in the story because he's really the only one who can prevent this from happening yeah he's and, i mean uh, yeah and it's like thanks a lot thanks for blowing up the thing <laughs> Bye. also this is a very uh, another like tiny nitpick that is not in uh imdb goofs but I noticed there's a scene in Miles Dyson's first scene. Gotta he's like it. walking to the safe. <laughs> and the guy who guards the safe is like, Miles, how are the wife and kids? And he's like, they're good. They're good. And I was like, he has one kid. He doesn't have kids. Oh. Yes. <laughs> how are the wife like, and kids? Plural. No, he has, he has one child. He does not. Yeah, the kid got cut out. But with kid the security guard too, I was like, oh, this is like a nerd, a very sweet nerdy man who doesn't even, he's not even comfortable with the people at his job. Like he's probably just sitting in this office yes. being like, how do I design the machine? Yeah, no. And, but you know what he, you know what though? I think we're in the alternate dimension where he invents a really good vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I've got oh, one. Nice and- <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is the greatest vacuum cleaner. He's like, yes, but in the other version of reality, <laughs> stop building Terminator, start building vacuum cleaners. Yeah, I, yeah, you definitely feel bad for Miles Dyson. You so bad. Yeah, we got, again, like the Pepsi guy, just got riddled with bullets. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. shot to hell <laughs> and, and survives. Survives yeah. to hold the little thing on top of the detonator. Yeah. <laughs> with that breath. Oh, man. The heartbreaking. Oh Watch him slowly die. Wait, I do have to bring up one last small role <laughs> that caught my yeah. eye. Yes, yes. Which is the guy who licks Sarah Connor on the face. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> 
This is a major scene in this movie. This is a this is a very major scene. But you also, I feel like Brian kind of tapped into this. Like in these movies, in the Terminator movies, people die, but James Cameron like tries to justify their deaths. Yes. It's like okay, this guy's gonna need to die. He gets hit with the I don't know if he dies when he gets hit with the broom handle. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing that made me laugh that I saw this time. So he, he licks her in the face, then he leaves her room and he's holding a nightstick. And you know, like how prison guards will like run the nightstick along the bars of the yeah, jail. Yeah. He runs it along a wall. It's like, there's no bars there. Yeah. No one's there. And you're also waking up. Are you trying to wake people up? Like, But it's, yeah. all, it's just like a wall. He like runs it along a door. There's like, there's no bars. And it's like, no, that move is you run it along bars. Yeah. He's you know doing. He's doing yeah. the creepy thing. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you know the bars. Yeah. You know the person taking us. Yeah, yeah. But, this. The, I would say that Sarah Connor has a bad sexual history. <laughs> she's she's like has sex with one guy one time, and it's like it's okay, and then for the rest of her life, it's just all variations on terrible. <laughs> and that she's in love with that one guy, right? According right. to John, who's in the future. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, right? Michael Bean. Yeah. I don't yes. even remember Terminator 1 because I remember when I saw it, I was like, ugh, It's boring. like Michael, yeah. yeah. It is, by comparison, it is boring. You know what's yes. another good James Cameron movie is Piranha 2. His first credit, right? I believe. Yes. He tried to have his name taken off it, but now he owns it. <laughs> yeah, because it's actually good. Like, you have a sunken ship that's full of piranhas and there are people trapped in it, so they're going to drown or they're going to get eaten by piranhas. Right. I think like around the time of Titanic, he claimed ownership of it again mm-hmm. because of the, the water-based. <laughs> it's like, no, no, yeah. I've always known about water. I'm, 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 I'm the king of water. <laughs> That's that famous girl... quote. I'm king of water. <laughs> king of water. Me. It's me. It's not anybody else. The guy who made Waterworld? No. Uh, when uh, I have a friend who worked on uh, uh, Avatar um, in Australia. And uh, <laughs> she told me this thing, which I just can't get out of my head. This is like three years ago, maybe more than that. And she was like, yeah, and James Cameron <laughs> refers to the girls in the movie, the, like the young girls in the movie as having buds, like their chest. They have their buds. Oh, no. And oh. I was like, <laughs> I oh. can't hear that. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's my one James Cameron bit. Yikes, James Cameron. The buds. But that's in the script, which Sid Field could read and comment on. on, But uh, I don't think that's in the actual. uh, Is that part of the. Is that. That's probably the reason he liked the script. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the stage direction. The description of the women is great. She turns her buds towards the. I mean, it's very strange. Like the uh, Scorny Weaver in the clips that I've seen now is like Scorny Weaver is playing a much younger character. And that's like such a cool thing that you can do now. Like you could just take anybody and make them a young version of it as long as they're healthy enough to move like a young person, which she mm-hmm. seems to be doing. Yeah. James that's Cameron. like that De Niro and the Irishman when he's like kicking yeah. the guy on the ground. The guy, yeah. <laughs> which I justify with the, I justify that as he he's. That's how that guy moves. He <laughs> guy you can tell it's clearly an eighty-year-old man kicking. <laughs> right. Yes. You know, some young people they t- they walk yeah. like they're old. Speaking yeah. of uh, video uh, uh, special effects manipulation, I did watch this movie on a physical disc. 
which means that we have to uh uh, we have to do another edition quickly i'm going to try to do it quickly of of my new beloved segment let's talk physical (laughs) let's talk physical physical i want to watch physical i'm really into physical tell me about your dvds your crispy blues and your 4K UHDs. Give me all the latest news in physical. Physical! <laughs> I rented the 4K UHD Blu-ray of Terminator 2 from Videotech, South Pasadena's finest video rental store. Stop in sometimes. You might see me browsing the aisles. Terminator 2 Judgment Day is known amongst physical media collectors as one of the most problematic, if not the most disappointing release of the still-struggling 4K UHD disc format, infamous for its overzealous grain removal and waxy skin textures that only a mother, a cyborg mother, could love. Seeing the often maligned presentation myself, I dare say these doomsday reports are a bit histrionic. (laughs) This Cameron-supervised transfer does provide a noticeable uptick in detail from the Blu-ray disc. Like the new Michael Mann-supervised 4K of Heat, the director's revisionism is sure to divide fans. For instance, in this 4K vision, Cameron tweaks effects like replacing the head of a motorcycle stuntman, obvious in the theatrical cut with the head of Arnie himself. I land somewhere in the middle of this debate. I'm part purist who wants a faithful representation of the theatrical release, but I also acknowledge that it's Cameron's movie to tweak as he likes. All in all, a great film, but a disc you can probably stick with a standard Blu-ray of. We can't go back in time to change this release, but the truly great remaster of Terminator 2 is still in our future. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. So that, that was you. a great review. Thank you for that. I, yes. watched, <laughs> I watched it on my computer. Uh, yes. <laughs> that was, that was I didn't guy. realize they replaced that famous shot of the when the bike mm-hmm. land, the motorcycle Do you remember lands. the guy? Do you oh, remember yeah, that yeah. guy's face? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if it's on. Actually, I'd be curious to see if on HBO... I assume most people are watching it there on HBO Max. There are a few Max. scenes where it's like, yeah. like when he's when he's jumping on the big rig, where it's like, oh, that's not Arnold. That's clearly not him. There is a shot where he's going from like the overpass and the, mo- the motorcycle lands down like in the LA River. Yeah, it lands. You clearly see a guy who's not Arnold on the motorcycle. Yeah. that's that was very obvious for years. That's been obvious, and now this new edition. I have a feeling this new edition will slowly replace the old edition. So right. the, the 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 fake Arnold, the stuntman yeah. Arnold, will will fade into the past, and it'll be hard to eventually find that version of the movie. But for now, you can probably. But maybe, will the testicles remain? Will the testicles <laughs> remain? Um, uh, rounding this out, uh, Anne uh, and and Alex as well. Uh, let's hear a, a a parental perspective on this movie with a, with your MPAA rating. Yes, my Mama Panic Attack Assessment MPAA rating for this movie. Uh, I give this movie a PG thirteen uh, for extreme mom fear, uh, living in constant fear of her son's death, uh, images of dead kids that you can't get out of your head ever and don't want to rewatch. <laughs> And uh, tragic child actor, uh, horrifying after story about Edward Furlong. So I would give this one a PG-13, skip the beginning of the movie if you don't want to see the burning kids. And then when she starts talking about her dream, turn the movie off or leave the room and then uh, come back when they're back to just the action. I listen. I agree with you as a parent. I agree one hundred and ten percent. There's a lot. There's too many children burning alive in this movie. <laughs> too many, too many children burning alive. But the movie is mainly not children burning alive, which would have given it a full R or NC seventeen. 
But also to me, like what's terrifying, still that Miles Dyson scene, a child that like, here's Trauma. the thing. Yeah. As I'm talking to both of you right now, maybe I've done something in the future that's going to cause <laughs> catastrophe. Oh, I'm no. sitting here on my computer talking to you, my child's in the house. Maybe Sarah Connor's going to start shooting at me at any moment. Right. <laughs> like, I'm in the comfort of my own home with my child. And I, don't, I, don't, I could be shot at by Sarah Connor. I mean, I, like, you could. You could. So that movie puts that fear in me. Yeah. Of like, mm-hmm. I may be punished at any moment for something I do in the future. I mean, punished by Sarah Connor, John Connor, whoever. The yeah. only answer is to not, you have to not lead the revolution. Yeah. <laughs> don't do anything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Be a follower. Don't try to change the course of human exactly. history. Surrender to the robots. But also, don't be a scientist. <laughs> don't be good at anything. Don't be good at anything. Yes. That might be key. Lay low. But what would you give this on a on a scale of G to uh, NC-17, do you think? Oh, PG-13 also. For, oh, like, okay. okay. I'm in the same. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Though. Like, <laughs> if, oh, yeah, yeah, home invasion and mm-hmm. child incineration aside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a fine movie, you know. Yeah. For, for the whole family. Yeah. yeah. Good uh, are uh, for ten year olds, yeah. And I think I think children would actually react to this a little less horrified, maybe than adults, because not realizing the reality of some of these things might make it easier and more palatable for a young child to watch than for an adult, in a certain weird way. You know, like oh, that's not real. That's just a movie. It's like actually, you don't know that uh, some of the yeah. stuff is real. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Uh, okay, well, that's great. Two PG 13s. Uh, that's a P- that equals a PG 26. Mo- the kind of movie they don't make anymore. Well, PG 13s. They don't, they, these days, they don't make really anything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to go to our rating, which is a rating, a uh, one to four rating for being the best, uh, that's based on something in the movie that really stuck out. So this is a, this is a group discussion. And then, uh, Alex, as the guest, you will have the final say. In oh. the, the score, do we do we each yeah. get a we each get a pitch on what we think it should be? Yes. yes. Okay. I don't know. Let's all think about it because there's so many good a little a little objects there. Uh, thumbs ups, uh, melting Terminator thumbs ups. Okay, I'll uh, pitch the one I when I the one I use as an example. Sh- uh, shallow Miles Dyson breaths. That's what <laughs> we should rate the movie in. Okay, that's okay. one of the most like iconic things from the movie. Yeah, a very yeah. like disturbing thing, like as a ten year old yeah. to watch a man slowly die. Yeah. 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 Which well, like in the um in the IMDb trivia it says that that role was offered to Denzel Washington mm-hmm. but that he oh, passed wow. because he said there's nothing to do all that guy does is sweat and die. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. I didn't I think, know. I think Denzel has a point. Yeah. But uh yeah. that's interesting though that they were so intent on having a, a a black actor play a part where it is problematic the way that they talk to him. Also it seems like to me it's somewhat unlike Denzel to like dunk on a role like that to be like yeah. kind of putting down the guy who played the part. Yeah, uh, that is weird. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, you know, who knows if I can trust IMDb trivia, but um, that's I know sometimes I, you can't. Sometimes <laughs> you can't. Strangely enough. I think I, I agree, Ryan. I think that uh, Miles Dyson, Shallow Breaths um, is, a, is a good one. I think we should go with that one because there's just so much we could talk forever about robot parts and, Robot parts, but I, I have a feeling, Alex, that you have something. <laughs> I have yes, something. What is it? But also, my 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 closing thought on this on this viewing, I think on the last couple of viewings, is I kind of tune out in Act Three when it's just oh, like them totally. 
Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I went and did the dishes, and I'm like like yeah, right doing like some bills. And are like, you serious? <laughs> yes. That's when I woke up. Is that three? When they go to the when I think they hour go to one <laughs> is a little. Slow. I'm so dialed in at the beginning. The middle, like, the what? front and middle, yeah. Two and again, like the in the Sid Field of it all, Sid Field really praises like this is the perfect midsection. He loves a good midsection. The midsection okay. to him is them in the desert. Well, we uh, love yeah. the mid. <laughs> well, but it's, the midsection is usually boring. So I think it's interesting that in this movie, I think once they go, once they accomplish the goal of getting to Miles Dyson, and you know, making sure that mom doesn't kill him before we get there. After that, I was like, all right, and now they're just going to pursue the goal. Like, yeah, it's not it's, as interesting. Everything after they blow up Cyberdyne. I love yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Everything post Cyberdyne blowing up. Yeah. I'm like, it's just them chasing each other. But that's like the great, that's what James Cameron <laughs> excels at is like action sequence that starts and you're like, what? It's still going. Like, True Lies has a great one where it's like, yes. horse thing, lobby, roof. But like, this movie actually, I was reminded that it fooled me. Fool me once, shame on me. Oh, when he uh, when his little light turns off. Uh, well, in uh, when they shoot him, when he when he gets a uh, frozen in the in the uh, the um, uh, nitroglycerin. Yeah, I he thought comes that back. Was, I thought that was the end of the movie. Right, yeah. right, Oslivista right. baby. Boom! Mm-hmm. I thought that was the end of the movie. I was like, yay, let's end of movie. Well, you I'm forgot 11 years they old. were in the hot factory and then the hot factory factory. that's all the the factory which makes heat uh brought him (laughs) let's get out of here say the entire like what do you do here there is and i will say it is masterful in that final act there are a lot of moments where you're like how are they going to get out of this jam there's one where they're like locked in at cyberdyne and like the entire lapd is outside yeah yeah and like how are they going to break out of this they do yeah, also, right. it's a, it, it, I remember watching with my mom at age 10, the heartbreaking part, not only Arnold uh, lowering himself and getting lowered in the vat, but uh, when the T-1000 is really beaten up on him at the end, like oh, putting that beam horrible. into him over oh, and over. Head. Yeah, that's brutal. That's, so that's brutal. like a lot of uh, robot on robot violence. Very yeah. disturbing. How many, but, uh, how many casts of Arnold's head do you think happened? Because I was watching Total Recall <laughs> the other day, too, and that's like his so head is funny. like cast so many times. He, he, has, he must have more casts of his head than there's probably Employed some. Thousands of people in the 90s in Hollywood were making Arnold heads. Yeah, <laughs> maybe like Robert England or some horror guy. Has I, more, bet but... you, I bet you Keanu Reeves has a lot of heads. A lot of head casts? Yeah, a lot of various kinds of head and body casts just because he's in so many action movies. Yeah, there's in in promoting this episode of this podcast on social, I would recommend using. There's so many Polaroids of them with like their own heads, like T1000, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, floating on the internet. It's all like Robert Patrick holding like the T1000's head with like a giant hole in it, and him like smiling or whatever. Those are <laughs> some of my favorite photos. Um, oh, but I, so my my rating. Uh huh. Yes. I would say on a scale of one to four. Unit production manager Dick Peterman. <laughs> oh, I forgot about this. I forgot about this. I changed my. I changed my. We're doing actually unilateral decision. I like it. I like it. I like it. I think that's great. Uh, I, I, I hope he's doing well. Wherever. Uh, oh, it's, it's yeah. It's Dirk Peter Petersman. 
Oh, Dirk, Dirk Petersman. Okay. Uh, Dirk yeah. Petersman does not sound like a real name somehow. I don't know why. <laughs> He's the first <laughs> credit. <laughs> we all know who was in charge. Dirk Petersman. Yeah. Dirk Petersman. Uh, well, I think this is an, uh, for me, this is an obvious four out of four unit production manager, D- uh, Dirk Petermans. Like I said, I've always loved this movie. It's been a while since I revisited it and I kind of get the movie more. I get where the, I get where Cameron's specific genius was in here saying like, it's like the thing of like mom lifting the car up off the kid or something. It's like you can have superhuman strength. A very ordinary woman. By the way, she's like a waitress in Terminator 1. Mm-hmm. She's not this is not like a she's not blessed by the gods. <laughs> she's a 16-year-old waitress. <laughs> she's a 16-year-old waitress. She's the most normal woman in the world. And in the mm-hmm. second movie she becomes an action hero because out of pure will, out of pure like I yeah. have to stop this thing from from happening. And so that theme is so resonant and uh and then, and also, it's just like if you made a list of five or ten uh, action movies, it's got to be among the very best. So it's a four out of four uh, uh, unit production manager, Dick Peterman's for me. Still holds up. <laughs> um, I think I saw this movie, I don't know when I saw this movie, a long time ago, and I didn't watch it again. But what I remembered was the lowering into the hot metal and uh, the singed children. And this the scene of Linda Hamilton crawling backwards when she sees Terminator. Those were <laughs> that was that was it. And then watching it this time, I was like, there are a lot of boring parts in this movie. It's surprising <laughs> how many boring parts there are in this movie, which is a this huge action epic. And uh, especially towards the end, it's there's definitely some boring parts. But um, I think the underlying theme here of like. You'll kind of do anything in the world to save your kid and also do kind of a terrible job of raising your kid at the same time is like a very underlying believable idea that you have the best intentions, (laughs) but then you actually do a catastrophically bad job of taking care of him. (laughs) Like you actually don't ultimately take care of him at all (laughs) Um, so i would give this um i would give this three and a half uh dirk pearson peterson petersman i think i may may have typed it wrong but i believe it's unit production manager Dirk. (laughs) he's gonna call us (laughs) he's gonna call us unit production manager uh yeah i would give it three and a half for uh boring parts and uh uh, but but a, 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 a fantastically well-made blockbuster. If you want to know what a blockbuster looks like, watch this movie. Right, I would agree completely. Like this is to me the definition of a blockbuster, and we didn't really talk about it. Like the cultural monolith of it all. Like in the summer of what ninety one, like this was everywhere. You couldn't avoid this movie, mm-hmm. and for that reason, I think in twenty twenty two, we kind of take it for granted sometimes. That it's it's hyperbole to say the movies are like the Citizen Kane of blank, but it kind of is the Citizen Kane of action movies. That it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even for like the the boring parts, I think are in there because he is trying. Cameron is trying to like address the Sid field. He's like trying to give it some emotional heft, and I think he does succeed. Um, yeah, it is a movie that like to me, my first memory is like it almost it making my mom choke up, and I think like to uh, entertain a 10-year-old boy who wants to see robots destroying each other and to entertain a mom watching with her kid. I got to give it four 
unit manager, unit production <laughs> manager, Dirk Peterson. <laughs> yeah, an amazing. That's what a blockbuster is, though, right? It's like it's all people can get something out of it. And that's how they're blockbusters, I think. Yes. Like everyone goes to see it. Yeah. Some people see it back to back. Some people see it twice in a row. Some people lucky enough to see it back to back. It's so nice you can see it twice. Well, I hate to say hasta la vista, baby. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, Alice Cordellis, uh, thank you so much for being here today. You're somebody who's, um, you're the kind of person who when I was younger, I hoped, I, th- I actually expected to know more in real life, uh, in my adult life, someone who can uh, hold down a conversation. But, oh, that's uh, you're, uh, that, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, you're, uh, not many people know how to do it. But uh, That's so nice. Uh, that's very nice of you to say. And I got to say, the first time I met Ryan, we were working at Funny or Die, and I walked into Ryan's office, and he had a stack of film comment magazines, and I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> this is my friend. This is my friend. I'm going to talk to this guy. I'm going to get to know this guy. We are buddies. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah. The I, feel, I, I, the the ma- I have the magazines to make the friends. <laughs> So yeah, yeah I trick. feel it's a mutual feeling. They Thank don't you. have the uh, they don't have that they don't print uh, film comment anymore. It's upsetting. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. no, I didn't I, know like, that. I like bought the subscription. I was a subscriber. Like I bought like an $80 subscription or something for a year for that insane quarterly magazine or I think it was bi-monthly. I would always buy it at Vroman's yeah. and I've gone for a little while now not seen it. I'm like, "Oh, they must be out of it." But no, I yeah. guess. Oh well. man, that's that also um, think I don't see Sight and Sound around anywhere either. I don't know if Sight and Sight Sound. Sight and Sound's not out, but they're about to have a big comeback because they're going to do the the twenty twenty two poll of uh, greatest movies of all time. So that'll be in November. You'll be hearing a lot about Sight and Sound. We're back mm. in business. Terminator you know, Two will be on that list. <laughs> I hope so. Um, <laughs> if people want to find you uh, uh, online or anything, uh, uh, where, uh, read your work, uh, uh, see uh, see some things that you've done. Uh, how do oh. people follow you? Oh, um, uh, I'm on Twitter at Alex Gordellis and um, alexgordellis.com as my writing and whatnot. Check it out there. That's a that's Amazing. a good that's a, we were talking about this the other day. That's a good good repository of of, of work of work yes. that you've done. If you want to follow this show, we are Mama Needs a Movie Pod. <laughs> <laughs> why is it never on possible Insta- for you on, to say on that? Instagram and we are mama pod on Twitter the pod is still uh, the uh, the Twitter still yes, locked are we still I'm still locked out? out of it I don't know what's going to happen I don't know if we're ever going to get back hey, to what's it. going on you're locked out of the- I just one day I couldn't log into it and, they, and, yeah. they, and they're like and they're like it was, it's, it's there's no email associated with this and then I associated an email, email with it now they send me verification codes which are all expired so oh, I don't no. know uh, I don't know what uh, is happening but I think it's funny to follow it. The more people yeah. can follow it, the better. Yeah, follow it yeah. until it goes live yeah. again. They're like, yeah. well, the pressure's on. We better turn this back on. So we can read it. Yes. So uh, like us and follow us on uh, iTunes. Comment. I guess that helps. I don't know. Say something on there. Anything. Yeah, write please. a comment. Even Talk if to it's, us. Yeah, even if you're like, I hate I hate this fucking show. <laughs> right. Tell us. That sounded and, uh, like a Vincent Gallo. <laughs> we should, he probably has some opinions. Whether you like it or hate it, you know, leave a comment. Uh, um, uh, and thank you again so much, Alex, for uh, for, for taking time uh, and, and talking about this movie, which is uh, endlessly fascinating to talk about. Yeah, we could do a whole other show talking about it still. So thank you so much for thank all you of your thoughts me about it. This is so much fun. Thanks, guys. And we'll be back next week with, not to give it away, a brand new movie. A brand new movie. Watermelon sugar. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say.
<laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>